The Monty Show, the truth in sports talk streaming. When you want unbiased opinions about your favorite team without the spin, all you have to do is find The Monty Show, streaming live and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on YouTube. And now, here's Monty. Hey, yo, man. How the heck are you? Good to be with you on National Championship Monday. Lots to get to on the NCAA tournament. Lots to argue. Are you Team Reese or are you Team Caitlin? No, it has nothing to do with race. We'll debate all of that on the Monty Show. Walker Kessler's out for the year. Will the Lakers make the playoffs? Should Kyrie and Punchable Face sit for the Dallas Mavericks? Dallas has the 10th pick right now, and it is protected. So, a lot to get to there. Presented by The Advocates. Theadvocates.com. The best injury attorneys in the business. Theadvocates.com. No matter where you're listening to this show, you absolutely have had weather. Did you get in a car accident because somebody didn't know how to drive in that inclement weather? You didn't deserve to get hit, but you do deserve an advocate where you never have to worry about consultation fees or big retainers. You don't pay the advocates until they win your case. In fact, you can get online right now and chat with an attorney live and for free at theadvocates.com. So... I guess we'll start the show off, Jake, the way we always start the show off. Uh Um, And that is with breaking news out of this Pac-12 situation. You know, we're just sitting here today doing the show. Right. Getting ready for the show, talking to some folks, talking to some other folks. And the phone rings. And it's a big-time dude at Utah. Right? You're caught off guard. You're just kind of, you know, chillaxing. Right. And it's a big-time dude at Utah. And admittedly, we have been churning our contacts to try and get in touch with some people at Utah uh, to talk about the relationship that uh, the university has with the Pac-12 and with the Big 12. And the phone rang today, and it was somebody at the top of the food chain, and I think we got a very good understanding of what has happened between Utah and and the Big 12. And I don't think there's any question uh, that the number one thing that came out of this conversation today was, without a doubt, Jake, the University of Utah and the Big 12 have had not only talks, but deep and extensive talks where they talked about what would it look like to have Utah join the Big 12? Uh, you know, what were the parameters of a deal like that? What, you know, what did it mean to Utah? What would it mean for the Big 12? And one of the interesting parts of this conversation that I want to get to is we were told by our source today at Utah that there was just something amiss. It didn't feel good. There was just, a, you know, the the dots didn't connect during their conversations and the efforts to bring Utah to the Big 12. There was just something missing there, Jake. I feel like that's my number one takeaway from that conversation today. Yeah, I, I think that that first takeaway of they have had, you know, substantive talks. Like, they have been in communication talking about possibilities and what have you and and i think the big thing is is again you know that utah uh prioritizes educational uh fit and educational you know standards if you will not to say the big 12 doesn't but i just think that you know the mindset is a little bit different in the two conferences and and i and i do think that you know the conversation that we've been having on the show the last couple of weeks um you know about the, this whole concept of educational dollars versus football or or you know slash athletic dollars 
and you know what's the priority and, and is Utah slash the Pac-12 gonna uh, close that gap a little bit with the Big 12 you know this this conversation that we were given the opportunity to have today you know made it very clear that you know education is is first and 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 I don't have an issue with that to be clear like I don't have an issue with it I just think that there right now with everything that's gone on with this TV deal you know you're you're, you're essentially risking being in a position where Hey, if if a deal doesn't get done, or if the deal does get done and it's really crappy, and the conference really struggles, and let's say the conference burns to the ground, let's say, or or the conference dissolves, or whatever that would look like, you're putting yourself in a situation where you're going to have to either go back to to the Big Twelve, or you're going to have to go to a conference in the Mountain West, which you would never do. So that's I, that was the my big thing is like, hey, this this whole situation by prioritizing education as much as you do. I feel like it's kind of putting you between a rock and a hard place. So my feeling would be that at some point, you know, Utah and and different schools in the Pac-12 are going to have to come to the middle a little bit on prioritizing things. Well, I also think this education conversation is is very interesting in that the way that our source talked about education, saying that the University of Utah values a well-rounded academic universe. And I think it's very clear and in probing after that that quote it's very clear that utah believes that all you know rising tides raises all ships in the pac12 financially and it very much is clear that utah does not believe that about the big 12 and the other thing that i think is really interesting is this source also confirmed for us that the pac12 and espn have a fractured relationship and i think that's the other part of this conversation is the Pac-12 and ESPN, I, I don't know how they get this done. Because as it was described to us today, there was a, a almost a falling out between the Pac-12 and ESPN, and they are nowhere. And it was told directly to us that the Pac-12 did in fact go back out to market looking for new conversations. It's not that the Pac-12 went back to ESPN to get more money. The Pac-12 went out and started talking to new folks like NBC Universal. We reported exclusively here on the show last week, you know, talking to the Discovery Networks, talking to Ion or whoever you want to point to. We know these conversations have happened, some deeper, some more fruitful, some not fruitful at all. But the bottom line is the Pac-12 does not feel close to a TV deal, as was reported by Andrew Marshand in the New York Post last week. It does not seem like this is going to come quickly. Mm -hmm. It does not seem like the Pac-12 has any traction. And I think one of the more interesting parts of that is when we talked to uh, this person at Utah today that called us, we said like, hey, what is it going to take to get you to move off your spot on the Big 12? And our source at Utah went right back to, hey, we have systematic differences (laughs) with the Big 12. Right, we just do business in a different way, and the communications were were not uncomfortable. They were cordial. This person at Utah today raved about Brett Yormark, raved about Tom Homo, uh, went out of their way to make sure that we knew that they felt like Utah and BYU have a great working relationship, a great academic relationship, and a great sports relationship. And this is simply a matter of looking for the right fit for the University of Utah, which is what you would expect. But the funny thing is, when people call you, you can generally tell, especially 
And I'm not trying to be grandiose about it or over descriptive. The person that we're talking to, it, I mean, what's the right way to say it? Draws a lot of water at Utah. Yeah. Like it was a shocking phone call today. And I said to this person, excuse me, but it doesn't seem like you're being genuine. It seems like you're spinning. To which he said to me, you know, hey, let me just put it as bluntly as I can put it. Something's missing in the conversations that we had with the Big 12. Something was missing. Facts. Can't put a finger on it. There's not like a, well, it's a money thing. It's a, you know, it's a, a rev share thing. Something was just missing. Right. And they specifically, I was able to confirm as we reported earlier that Utah essentially told the Big 12, hey, we like what you guys are doing. We wish you the best, but right now this just is not a fit for us. And when I, I pressed and said, well, what's it going to take? I even jokingly said, you're going to watch the Pac-12 burn to the ground. And this person essentially said, yeah, that's what it's going to take. Um, we, are, um, we, we believe in the group that we have. The, the other nine universities, the 10 of us that are left, are all very much philosophically aligned. Which again goes back to exactly what I was telling you two weeks ago. Utah has no desire to leave the Pac-12. You know, none whatsoever. I I got the feeling that, and I don't know you. Yeah, you heard the conversation as well. Yeah, I got the feeling conversations with Utah and the Big Twelve were simply about due diligence. Mm -hmm. It was simply a matter of hey, let's see what 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 this would look like, and if we need it, great. But we're not interested. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I think that's a perfect way to describe it. I mean, it, it definitely was not a situation where Utah was um, expeditiously looking to have the conversation that's or was right. looking to, you know, was was uh, enthusiastic or excited or or really looking to get in. Yeah, like it wasn't. It, it just wasn't. It's not. Utah is not in a place where they want to where they want to leave the Pac-12. What my guy just said. I mean, I mean, that's the best way you can say it. And so. The, the other side of that, though, is that when when you're seeing Brett Yormark in the Big 12, um, you know, in the, in, in the Gonzaga angle and the Four Corner School angle and these different angles that are at play, definitely, in my opinion, um, I think you have a responsibility. And, and, and I think the, the only thing that I would say about, you know, what, what we were told today is I wish that, you know, I, I wish Utah, generally speaking, in the big picture just was more... Um, you know, aggressive with these conversations because ultimately, if we're if we're really honest, the, the paradigm can shift just like that in a moment's notice. I mean, tomorrow, and I'm not trying to exaggerate. Tomorrow, you know, you could wake up and be told, "Hey, like, there's just not a deal, a TV deal to be put together. We just there's just not a fit. There's not whatever the case may be. If that day shows up anytime soon, you're in big trouble here. And and I understand why, you know, our source is saying, hey, you know, the the conference is going to have to burn to the ground, you know, and then we would consider it. I get it because that's the mindset they're in of, hey, we love the Pac-12. We love our, 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 quote, educational, you know, universe. Like, we love our, our, our fit. We love our situation as far as our other member institutions are concerned. But what I wish and, and my big takeaway was, hey, that's great. I have no issue that that you have a great relationship with all these schools and that you would want to be in the same conferences in educational power in Stanford or Cal or you know any of these other institutions. That's not really even the issue. To me, the, the core issue still remains that not that they prioritize education, but more that they don't 
they seemingly are okay with the concept of the conference burning to the ground before they would hit the eject button. And that, to me, is uncomfortable. I don't I don't like that strategy. I think it's very I, uncomfortable. I think it's risky. I think it puts you in a in a in a really um just an un unstable position. I mean you're you're basically You don't control your destiny. Yeah. I mean you're basically saying, hey, like we're we're ride or die with the Pac twelve and if it dies, then we'll cross that bridge. I mean, I, I if it was me, my opinion is is that I, I I would have a handshake deal of some variety. I mean, an understanding of okay, yeah, if our conference burns to the ground, what's it gonna look like? I mean, I at least gotta know that. But the other thing I thought was interesting um was that we were also told that Utah's had no conversations with the Big Ten that they have not spoken at all, that there has not been outreach from either side, um, that they have been fully committed uh, to the Pac-12 and that the only reason they spoke to the Big 12 is because back-channel conversations began um, and were were thrown at them. People were reaching out to them. Mm -hmm. And as we reported, Brett Yormark uh, initially was not making contact with these, these member institutions in the Pac-12 which brought up one of the more interesting comments of the conversation is that Pac-12 presidents um, were put off by the Big 12 seemingly trying to damage the Pac-12. Yeah. That it was off-putting to Pac-12 presidents. And this person we spoke to who, again, A, it's shocking on two levels. They called us out of the blue today. And B, this person is pretty high up the food chain. So... When they tell us, hey, it's akin to a team that's already, you know, that fired their manager going out to try and find another manager who's employed by another team. You just, it's something you wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a very, that was a very interesting example of it. Because I don't, A, see that that's what the, the Big 12's been doing in any way, shape, or form. My opinion is that I think the Big 12's doing what it has to do to thrive. Um, and I also think it's very interesting that Utah is in a position where I agree with you, Jake. I don't see that they have a thousand other options. They right now are ride or die with the, the, the nine remaining, including Utah, 10 remaining teams in the Pac-12. <laughs> that's their, that's their <clears throat> position right now. And I would not anticipate that changing unless something catastrophic happens. Yeah. And I, I think this week, According to our source, they are supposed to get an update from Brett, or excuse me, from George Klyovkov on his situation with the 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 potential for a media deal. Hey guys, there is supposed to be a conference-wide call for an update this week with George Klyovkov because it was also clear from that conversation. And I mean, this person refused to tell us this directly, but George Klyovkov's on the hot seat. Mm -hmm. There is no doubt about that. Well, how could he not be? Yeah, I mean, he I, is I, on I, the hot seat. You know, and 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 we've we've had that conversation numerous times, but I but I think the the idea just just in concept, right? Like, think about this, right? And 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 I'll make the point about the Big Twelve in a second after we get to this, but like, think about what George Klyovkov's path so far and what he has not done for the conference. You think about the idea that this guy came in. And and is a self-admitted underdog, uh, surprise hire, like doesn't have an amazing track record of being a, a commissioner or being being super successful in this role. Highly educated, right? Like highly educated business guy, but that doesn't mean you'd be a great commissioner in this world. And so the day George Klyovkov gets hired, he says, Hey, yeah, I, I know that I was under the radar. I know that I'm not some, you know, amazing candidate for this, but here's what I'm gonna try and do. And he's done none of those things. And the TV deal is the best example. But I maintain 
even still, the idea that that the conference took overpayment from Comcast, that you don't have a TV deal, that you're that you're somehow still struggling to 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 put something together is incredible to me. So when I heard, you know, our source say without actually saying it, like, hey, George is, you know, not exactly done great or that, you know, maybe George is on the hot seat. Like, it's not surprising. And it's especially not surprising when Brett Yormark is kicking the crap out of you repeatedly. Like, it's not surprising when George beat you to market. It's not surprising when he's got to deal with Jerry World and, you know, circumcising Which also, by the way, has not gone unnoticed. I mean, mean, it's, it's hard to look at this situation as the people involved in it and see everything. And to understand everything. But when you're at the level that our source at Utah is who called us today directly, it's, it, is, it is really refreshing. And I, and I think this is really important. To get direct answers to direct questions was really refreshing. The thing that should, if you're a Utah fan, the thing that should make you feel good about it is, I think it's very clear that Utah has a grasp on who they are and where they are. Now, where they want to go, I don't know. I think that's an interesting question because I do think that there is this this thing about being philosophically aligned really matters. Yeah. Really matters. And, you know, the, the, the quote about systematic differences, I think, really stands out to me. Well, I think Brett Yormark is someone who is, is kind of that guy, right? Like, you're either pro Brett Yormark and how he's going about doing business and like just how damn aggressive he's been. And, and I personally love it. I mean, I, I think it's been uh, a revelation for the big 12 without a doubt, but you can kind of see how Brett Yormark would be that guy where it's like, Hey, he's not doing business. Like it's always been done. And Correct. so I think he's kind of one of those figures in the landscape. Yep, I totally agree with you. Make sure you hit the like button, please. That really helps the channel grow. By the way, as we told you last week, we are zooming towards 15,000 subscribers on this show. Uh, And currently, right now, we're at 14,812. So just 100 and what is that? 88 away from 15,000. So if you are here and you are new to the show, please give us a thumbs up. Please hit the subscribe button. Um, we would love to, uh, to earn your business in perpetuity, uh, is yes, the way yes, we'd yes. like to say that, uh, let's get some of your comments in here. Truck stop Gumby is very happy to be first in today. Okay. Excellent, Appreciate that. <laughs> J rod says time to get bucked up and start the week off. Right. Let's go. Amen to that bucked up the official energy drink of the money program. Thanks. By the way. Awesome. Awesome. Go. Awesome. Let's go. Awesome end to the month of March. We had a massive month with Bucked Up on this show uh, in March. Let's do it bigger and better than we did last month. So get off to a hot start. In the description below, there's a link to get three free samples and a free shaker cup. I tell you all the time, the best shaker cup in the business comes from our good friends at Bucked Up. I love it. It's got, and for those of you who have never seen it, let me show you now. Uh, It's got your shaft and balls uh, uh, attached uh, to this lid. See, here's Stuck. the... Yeah, well, no. See, why? Get your mind out of the gutter, sir. Mm-hmm. I love that the uh, blender ball and the uh, lid are attached. They don't wind up on my floor or in my garbage disposal or in the bottom of my dishwasher. That's what you get from Bucked Up. Really smart products that work. I will tell you their their pre-workout is awesome. I'm a huge fan of their BCAs, the racked BCAs and grape are awesome. And oh, by the way, look what we got here. 
Thank you, Harmon's Grocery yeah. Store. Yeah, yes, yes, two yes. for five dollars. Bucked up Miami. Get the Miami. It's the best flavor. Yes. Yeah. Let's go. <sighs> Cheers to you. Bucked up the official energy drink of the Monty Show. Hey, look at that. Uh, Car Wash Channel is back. He has oh, rejoined. Okay. okay. He has rejoined the membership. We like that. Let's go. We're off to a hot start, baby. I and like it a lot. Vibes. If you want to uh, become a member of the show, there's a link right there in the comments. Appreciate that. Josh War. War? W-A-R-R. War. How you doing, J.W.? Says, uh, no stability in the Pac-12 regardless of TV deal. OU, Oregon, and UW, Washington, bolting the second they uh, get the call. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't agree with that. Um, I think that Washington, you know, having talked to a lot of people, you know, from what we understood today from our source at, at Utah, President Kose is absolutely leading the charge on this. And from what I understand, the, the presidents are unified in many things, including streaming, which was a big part of the conversation today. They don't want anything more than 25% streaming. Right. That, that, that much to me is is very clear. I think the presidents in the Pac-12 want most of their content on linear TV, which means ESPN, ABC, CBS, NBC, wherever that might be. Yeah. And I can't say I blame them for that. I think it's a mistake. I think you have to get in. Streaming's going to happen on a on a wide scale, I would say in the next three years. I think we it will become normalized. It'll become the way we watch sports. We're watching baseball and stream right now. In our studio, right? Like that's just the way it's going to happen with YouTube TV. Why do you think DirecTV has the app that they have? Why do you yeah. think Comcast? Why do you think Press. NBA? Why do you think the NFL? They're all going to stream. Why would college sports be different? It takes courage. So, uh, Josh, I, I appreciate the $5 tip. I just happen to disagree with you. I think Oregon and Washington, when this TV deal comes in, that's when you should be scared. Because, by the way, I think the other thing this person at Utah told us today is the Arizona schools are going to bolt. Yeah. This person was pretty resolute that if the number comes in, and, man, we've heard everything from 17 to $22 million a year per school. <coughs> I'm telling you, this thing comes in under 25, you're going to lose probably two or three at the minimum. Yeah. At the minimum, I think that's what you're going to lose. Ryan Thomas says the Huntsmans are not cutting million-dollar checks based on Conference affiliation. No, they're not. I would agree with that. They're absolutely not. Um, Tanner says research institutions. <laughs> Tanner, good to see you. J.K. Marshall says Pluto TV looking at the Pac-12 broadcast deal. <laughs> well, listen, the Martians have always been, you know, far ahead in technology. Right. You know. Right. Uh, Bob Holsey says Utah, go independent. Man, that nah. would be... That would be very difficult. Clint Moses says, go Beavs. Dude, Research Stadium looks pimp, by the way. The renovation at Reeser, it good luck going to Oregon State. Tim B., my guy, good to see you. Texas Tech is getting $4.4 billion endowments to add to its $1.7 million endowment, equals $6.1 billion, ranking Texas Tech's seventh in public university endowments. Yeah, dude. I'm not saying it's not possible. People getting money, bro. I'm not saying it's not possible. Uh, Mr. Monkey says, do business in a different way, huh? Maybe. 
Cool Blue 71, does the Monty Show still think the Pac-12 conference will survive this? I do. I think it'll be very different than you know it today. I'm telling you, the other thing you need to watch is this San Diego State game tonight. Mm-hmm. Think about what it would mean for the Mountain West Conference, who I think is in a very unique position to thrive out of all of this. And President Navarez was on the show last week. She talked about it. But if San Diego State wins the national championship of college basketball, I think the Mountain West is going to get a huge boost out of that. Yes. And I think they are just... My feeling is the Mountain West is just sitting and waiting to see what happens with the Pac-12 TV deal. Yeah, and if you didn't catch that interview last week, it's on the channel. I would highly encourage you to go and watch it. You absolutely should. You absolutely should. Uh, Let's see. Skins rule. Is Utah really as, quote, well-rounded as Stanford West Coast snobbery? I think there is some arrogance to that. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think that, you know, just from an opinion standpoint, yeah, I think think the Pac-12 schools are a little bit arrogant in their position i do i i think that they value you know being you know institutions of higher learning more right. than you need to value that uh i i again I, I think it's great right like it's awesome that you're one of the best educational facilities in the land i, I love that but but in parlance to a tv deal conversation it just doesn't mean that yeah, much and, I, I agree with that you know what i mean and, and it what does it really mean at all yeah, and it doesn't make it doesn't make them bad people or anything. I'm not I'm not trying to make it personal or anything. I just look I, again. I find myself almost having some deja vu here because I feel like after this conversation today, it really really brought me back to to this past summer when we started talking about this. Like, it's a situation where you got beat to market, and now you're kind of in a corner. And again. I I will hate on George Klyovkov as much as the next person will. The reality of the situation is you can bring in Jesus Christ if you want to, and he's not fixing the situation that they're in because well, you can't fix a lack of, of, of demand on your product. If you don't have that, you're not doing deals. But I also think then you look at this story out of Oakland today where they're, they're starting to be noise about equality in the Pac-12. Uh, the Pac-12 has no black head coaches in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Zero. And I think that's a that's an issue when when a let's not kid ourselves the Pac-12 is not a great basketball conference no and you do have you do have diversity in your football coaches but the bottom line is you don't have a single black head coach in Pac-12 basketball that's a problem it is and it just seems like all of this just continues to stack on top of itself and. That's why like, Friday it was so exciting to hear about this MVC Universal conversation because that's really good news. And it, it just seems like good news out of the Pac-12 is so rare anymore. Yeah. I mean, am I, I, am I making too much of it? Like, I, I don't think you're making too much of it. I, I, look, I think that you know what's really interesting is like for, for, for folks like us who are on this side of the, on this side of the phone today, like I, I look at the conversation we had and I look at the situation that they find themselves in and, and yeah, I don't think there's a lot of great news. I don't think that, that you're somehow in uh, in a, uh, a reasonable position. I mean, this no, is, incre- this is incredibly unreasonable. This is incredibly uh, dangerous. And, and, and again, I, I, I try to be careful about exaggerating or being too over the top or anything, but, but it's not unfair or exaggerating to say, you're one conversation away 
from the conference melting down. Like if if George Klyovkov comes back with a TV deal that's less than twenty million, and I would say less than twenty five million, dude, you're in trouble. You're talking about you know big time brands leaving your conference. And yes, I mean my opinion. I do think the Arizona schools want to bounce. Yes, I think. Yeah, I agree. I like, agree with that. Like, I think. I agree I, with that. I think Oregon and Washington aren't necessarily married to the conference, but I don't think they're 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 head over heels to leave, and I don't think, especially, that they're head over heels to leave for the Big Twelve. The pro- I, but again, I think it's because George Klyovkov is not a salesman, mm-hmm. because he's not a he's not an he's not somebody that you want evangelizing for you. Don't fuck. I mean, <laughs> that might be a little too strong. Yeah, I think it is. Come on, that's a great drop. It is. Guys. Don't fuck. That's a great drop. Yeah. I think that might be a little too strong. Yeah. But I think George Klyovkov has done a lot of damage to this conference. If we're if we're being completely honest, I mean, it, the losses far outweigh the wins. Like, you look at Brett Yormark, and again, I, I, I this is almost akin to playing BYU off of Utah, but... Every week it feels like the the Big 12's making an announcement on some huge partnership or you need to get the the clouds over from overhead. But what did George but what did George do? And we're gonna get to your comments in a sec, but what did George do? And I think this is crucial. George came in and said 50 million a year, we're gonna be the best, everything's hunky dory, we're yeah. gonna be amazing. And he didn't get everybody to fall in line. He didn't get belief out of every institution. He over-promised and under-delivered. What did Brett Yormark do? He shut up. He traveled around the country or around his conference, which is around the country. He talked to all the member institutions and their leadership. He got them all to be aligned. And then he just started making them money. And that's why the Big 12 is in a strong position right now. And that's why I say, like, I'm sure that there are avenues to to getting a deal of some variety done, but getting it just getting a deal done is no longer good enough. You have to get a deal done that keeps all 10 schools in the conference. And my concern is is I'm not sure that that's even possible. I don't know that it's possible for this conference to get 30 million a year. Legit. I don't know if it's possible. Uh... I, don't, I I think it's possible. It's highly unlikely. By the way, barfing chickens. Back with the membership. Let's go. Barfing Chickens, good to see you. Appreciate you guys again. If you want to join the membership, $9.99 a month gets you into our exclusive uh, Instagram members only group. Today, you would have known about this at about 11 o'clock this morning. Uh, I cut a video, put it in the group. There's been a great chat all afternoon about what some of the things mean and we just have a great community on our Instagram members only list here on the Monty Show. $9.99 a month gets you into that. $1.99 a month, pretty much, pretty much means that your comments going to get read for sure. Today, we've already had over a thousand comments, which we appreciate greatly. Um, Hero75, he arrow, Hero75 gives us a $5 tip to say WWE and Merging with UFC is bad news for the Pac-12. NBC Peacock broadcast WWE, and they will want more money now with UFC with them. Less money free for the Pac-12. Well, I would also remind you that, again, knowing Endeavor very well, Endeavor's a company that essentially bought the WWE, but Endeavor has a very strong deal for the UFC with ESPN, and that deal's not going to go anywhere. Uh, I think ESPN and UFC have made a great partnership. The question for WWE is, where does it live? 
because currently anything that's not Monday night or WrestleMania does not do as well as the rest of its programming. Yeah. But, you know, take this NBC Universal deal we talked about on Friday. In no way, shape, or form does WWE usurp or make it impossible to do business with the Pac-12. That that's just that's just not a fact. Yeah. Um, you look at Notre Dame. Notre Dame has all kinds of of opportunity to do a new deal with NBC that includes Pac-12 football, let's say, Pac-12 basketball, let's say. There's all kinds of of deals. Somebody told me the other day that that hey, Pac-12 could very well be looking at a a basketball TV and a football TV deal in separate <coughs> in separate deals, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, hell, Notre Dame made a living doing that. Yeah. Right? So your your football only is an independent and all your other sports are in a conference. There are ways to, to I don't know, what's the way? Peel the banana? I don't want to talk about cats, but there are ways to get the deal done. There are many ways different to ways. peel the layers of an onion back. They, thank you. There you go. There are many ways well. to spread the butter across the toast. Yep. Uh, Cougar Tail says hubris... Um, Utah too, too good for the big 12. You need an extra O in that too. Uh, except excessive self worth <laughs> above others and above everything else. I don't believe that is in fact true about Utah in any way, shape or form. I think especially talking to people at the top of the food chain at Utah, as we did today, quite clearly, they have humility about them quite clearly. The other thing that's very clear is they have a ton of respect for BYU. Yeah. And talking about, you know, BYU's independence and talking about the grind that was their independence. The University of Utah has no hubris towards towards BYU. None whatsoever. There's nothing wrong with shouting out your accomplishments. There's nothing wrong with being proud of what you've accomplished. In my opinion, the mistake will be if the Pac-12 melts down and loses four or five members, half of their membership, and you stay, that's a little bit too much because now you're damaging your property. Yeah. For for my money, that's where you're, the mistake would be, you know? Yeah. Uh, Bryce Martin says, love your show. Glad to be a member. Much love from Austin, Texas. What's up, Bryce? Hey, appreciate you, Good brother. Good to see you. Thanks for being a member. Scammer trolling. Haha, <laughs> nice way to use Wilner's story without saying his name. I don't, did Wilner write a story today? I'm sure he did. I've not seen Wilner's story, so I don't yeah. know what he wrote. Yeah. Uh, J.K. Marshall, Pac-12, so racist. Uh, racist. Okay. okay. Uh, check it out, says UCLA and USC didn't make it to the Final Four. They did not. Mike Maples um, says Utah feels, quote-unquote, in the club and won't leave unless forced. Totally agree with that. Yeah. Totally agree with that. And, hey, I mean, again, that's their opinion. That's their standpoint. And know? let's hope if you're a Utah fan, you don't get forced to do anything. Right? Let's 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 hope. But again, I'll go back to this conversation about you uh, about the Pac-12 and ESPN because I think this comment today very much plays with what we heard on Friday. Um, because this person at Utah we spoke to today said use the word fracture. There is a fracture in the relationship between ESPN and the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And what did we tell you on Friday? And really, it started Thursday and Friday. As we've talked to more and more people in television, and we've talked to more of our sources around the country about this, what's very clear is that ESPN and the Pac-12 have dysfunction. And I don't think for one second that ESPN, 
and, and I want to be careful with this. I don't want to say ESPN is rooting for the Pac-12 to fail because I don't believe they are. They would not shed a tear. They would not lose a minute of sleep. ESPN would not lose a minute of sleep if the Pac-12 failed. They would not because they're in the driver's seat no matter what happens. They know that they will likely end up with that programming because the Pac-12 probably doesn't have another place to go. But you look at what would happen if, the, let's say, the Pac-12 disappears, disintegrates. Where's everybody going to go? Mm-hmm. Well, my guess is most, probably at least six of the ten would end up in the Big 12. I would think you could have two end up in the Mountain West, Washington State and Oregon State, let's say. Yeah. But the Four Corners school, I think certainly would end up in the Big 12. Yeah. I don't think there is any doubt, and it's just my opinion, I think Stanford, Cal, Oregon, and Washington, I think there's a real chance they would end up in the Big 10, although the Big 10 is going to have to find money for that. And I think I think Oregon State and Washington State could very well end up in the Mountain West. And then that still leaves schools like San Diego State and Gonzaga. And I think Gonzaga's into the, the, the Mountain West or into the uh, Big 12, excuse me. And I think San Diego State, we were told, has an invitation to join um, the Pac-12. I think all of those schools are available. Yeah. And I think ESPN knows it controls the Big 12's TV deal, especially in football. Yeah. There's no reason for them to stress or overpay for Pac-12 content. There's just no reason for it because they already are going to get it no matter what happens. Yeah. And my guess is, is that the fracture in this relationship is, as we told you, our sources at ESPN are telling us they're offering $9 million per school. They're offering $90 million a year to the Pac-12. That's it. And the Pac-12, I think, views that as somewhat as a slap in the face. But the reality is, why would ESPN pay more than that? Why would they pay more than that? Yeah, they wouldn't. There would I, there, be no there's reason. There's no demand for it. That's the problem. There would be no reason for them to pay more than that because am, they're not uh, getting it somewhere else. Uh, before we get to more comments, I am being DM'd by several people saying we missed some uh, membership donations, apparently. Apparently, there's some donating happening or okay. something like that. That very well could be. Something crazy is going on. I don't see anything crazy going on. Okay. I do not. Um, Maury Alvarez gifted five memberships. There you Maury, go. Thank you. There you go. Um, let's see. Members only. Like, I don't see that. I think Maury Alvarez gifted some. Yeah. Okay, Maury, I appreciate that. Nothing crazy going on. Let's all settle down. The problem is, again, for those of you that are new to the show, when somebody gifts a membership, I have to be looking at YouTube to see that. We use a streaming software that brings all of our comments into a comment hub, and that's where I read your comments from. YouTube's on a different screen that I have to go back and look at. Yeah, all these screens So and all the stuff. screens and, and stuff. You know, yeah. Maury? Yeah, appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you. Thank you for donating memberships. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, as always, we, uh, we love our community, and we very much appreciate that. Um, let's go. Uh, big 12, um, Patrick Bourne says, Monty, who can settle down? We're all bucked up. Exactly. Uh, you know right. What I mean, like, come on. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying if you, you guys bucked up is, is killing it. If you guys don't have bucked up in your life yet, you're, you're missing it. Yeah. You're absolutely missing it. Travis bird, big daddy magic, a member of the program. BYU is the only football team 
that has tampons in the locker room. <laughs> Bro. Dude. Bro. Okay. Welcome to the showroom. So let me get this right. You are head over heels in love with Victor Wambanyama, who we're going to talk about at 4.30, coming up here in about 50 I'm minutes. I'm so bricked up right now. And now, like, where do you come from with this stuff? Um, Daniel Whittlesey says, let's, LFG, Maury, exactly right. Maury, we appreciate you giving memberships. And um, again, if you guys want to join the membership, I would, I would highly encourage you to do so. Yeah. Um, as you can tell, we have a really giving, gifting, awesome community. So uh, check yourselves out right there. Salty Drunk, what's up, my Australian friend? Everybody say hello to Salty Drunk in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. How hard is it for Buddy, besides you, to have YouTube open? It is, um, you know, he he's 15 years old, man. He's a virgin. He's more worried about texting with the, with the honey. Waves in opposition. You know, that's what I'm saying. So truck stop Gumby says put salty up there. He's very salty. Yeah. Daniel, a member of the show. Do you think George K will still be with the Pac twelve this Pac twelve commissioner in one one twenty four? I do not. <laughs> I don't, honestly. Yeah, I think that yeah. um I think that we have heard repeatedly that his seat is quite warm. <laughs> and I think the biggest issue is that there is a a I think I think not only have presidents in the Pac-12 lost faith in his ability to bring a deal in. Yeah. I think they don't trust him. Well, how could you? And I think that is the ingredients of a death sentence. Yeah. I don't have faith in you. And furthermore, I don't trust you. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big deal. Cougar tail. Jake and Monty, Utah is dealing with two vital issues. Oregon and Washington will leave soon or at least threaten to, de- to and destabilize. Well, on that first issue, I don't know that you could destabilize this conference anymore unless somebody leaves. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's already unstable. <laughs> like, yeah, and I think no way around that. I think that you know our source at Utah today pretty much confirmed that it, the Arizona schools will be the first to leave. There's no doubt <clears throat> about that. <clears throat> no doubt. Two uh, media deal will only uh, only be media deal will be only enough to keep the Pac-12 alive. Short term. I would agree with that. Yeah. The problem is there's no such thing as a short-term deal. You're either going to sign the grants of rights or you're going to leave. There is no, hey, I'm just going to go year to year with you guys. Yeah. The The biggest issue will not be getting a financial offer. The Pac-12s had multiple financial offers. The biggest deal is going to be to get 10 people to sign a grant of rights. Because the way this works, let's not forget about this. The TV deal is not with the schools. It's with the conference. Right. The schools sign a grant of rights, essentially a contract, allowing the conference to sell their name, their image, their likeness, their broadcasts to those TV partners. We built this program on NIL. In exchange for money. Right. If a school does not sign that grant of rights, there is no TV deal. Just one school. There is no TV deal. Getting 10, it's a sign a deal for between 17 and $22 million. I don't do respect. I think it's absolutely a pipe dream. Yeah. I think it's a pipe dream. I don't think that anybody could do that. Uh, Josh War says, I don't know, man. I feel that this solidarity for uh, Oregon and Washington 
goes out the window if the big comes calling. Oh, okay. Well, you want to have that conversation? Fucking right. Like, I mean, the minute that the minute that the new commissioner of the Big Ten calls Oregon and Washington and says, "Hey, hey, man, we got fifty million dollars a year for you. Come on over." They're All right, gone. where do I sign? They're gone. They're gone. Washington and Oregon. If you said to them, "Hey, come join the conference, fifty million dollars a piece for the first three years," but I also think you got to remember that's a big step. I mean, it's not you know we can sit here and characterize it as just a phone call, but ultimately, like you know, you're if you're Oregon and Washington, you're making a choice there. I just look, I just think that that this whole conversation, when like when you hear presidents in the Pac-12, whether it's Robbins at Arizona or who who whoever you want to point to, uh, when you hear. You know, these presidents talking about how, hey, like, we have time. I mean, we would have just started negotiating now if we hadn't gone to market early. And, like, I I disagree. I don't think you have a lot of time because the the Big Ten commissioner thing is something that's impending on you. Well, and when you say you have a lot of time, what that says is the value proposition is going to change. Well, we have time. We can wait them out. You can't wait them out. Because every single day, much to the commenter previously, UFC and, and WWE, you think they're just going to sit on their TV deals? Right? You, you, there's going to be negotiation that's going to happen there. Yeah. You look at how many people were in uh, at WrestleMania. You look at, it, there's the NHL just got a deal, NBA deals coming up. If ESPN does a deal with the NBA before it does with the Pac-12, it's over. Yeah. You, you, I, don't, I, I just don't know how else to characterize it. And I think the other deal is the Big Ten has to find new revenue to bring on new teams because their TV deal's done. They don't have a pro rata that says, hey, if you add another P5, we'll pay you. That doesn't exist. <laughs> so they'd have to go to their TV people, which is what, from my understanding, Kevin Warren was trying to accomplish before he took the job with the Bears. And my guess is if if... If I were running the ship, I would go back to Fox. I'd go back to CBS. I'd go back to NBC. And I would say, hey, specifically NBC, hey, we're bringing in Oregon and Washington to support your Big Ten after dark window. Yeah. Pay up. And I believe that NBC would kick in more money. And I think that that's something that you have to look at. If I'm the Big Ten, I'm also going out to market and I'm trying to get a stream deal. But what if what if the Pac-12 had that mindset of like, hey, we're we're we in, like okay, we're going to acknowledge and admit that we're not in a great place right now. How do you change the the paradigm? How do you change the momentum in something? Well, you got to you got to bring something from left field. You got to yeah. you got to kind of create this shot in the dark. And I and I really feel like streaming could be that. The problem is is that. Cosse at Washington, even even Oregon a little bit, like they're they're not interested in in let's say as an example, a hypothetical building a Pac-12 streaming network that where where you have to go to watch Pac-12 stuff. They're not interested in keeping it inside the conference and going out to that's the masses. Exactly right. They don't want to do that, and so that's why I say like I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but the reality of the situation is is that ESPN is out. You're not willing to keep it in-house. You're trying to 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 work with NBC and figure out, hey, can we can we do something here? Like the reality of the situation is you don't have a product that's in high demand. And that's when you, right. When you don't have a product that's in high demand, you're gonna have a lot of trouble getting people to pay over market for something that doesn't deliver on value. Uh by the way, Josh also says Miami is delicious. Let's Amen go. to that. Let's, Let's go. go. I need to drop one some you can, 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 can. you know. 
Stay hard. You know, can I get a drop when somebody says something nice? What drop do you want? Stay hard. I'm exactly so right. bricked up right now. That's fine too. Miami is delicious. Yeah. It's exactly right. Uh, Reister JP says, Monty lost his virginity to a donut. You ain't wrong, man. Tell you what about a cougar tail? I, I love donuts. I would just... We. We. I'm fat. Fat! Uh, Big Jack 512, what's up? Salty D in the house. Needed that drop, Jake. Hiscock. Yeah, there you go. Exactly right. Uh, ADD sales in Peruvian food. Says, will George go down with the ship or get a golden parachute? He will be terminated. I think they will not give him a golden parachute. I, I don't. Um, Wolf Toy Vuxiabu. Hugh Janus. Yeah, Hugh Janus. Uh, what's up, Wolf? <laughs> How, where are you finding these drops, dude? Uh, I understand, but Boise State brings a large fan base that spans across all time zones. Boise State is not a Power Five no. institution. No. They're not, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> plenty of toast for all the butter. Is it proper dating etiquette to break up with someone over Marco Polo, or is text messaging the only proper way to break up? Waves in opposition. Jake don't want to talk about that, man. How's that new girl? she ghosting you? No, she ain't ghosting me. She's back now. She's ghosting you. No, she is not. When's the last time you guys talked? Today. How come you didn't inform me of this? Because I don't need to. Yes, you do. Scock. I am your keeper. Uh, I'm not your keeper. <laughs> What'd you guys talk about? Anita Dick and Ming. Did you really? <laughs> no, I, we didn't talk about that. Did we, you Marco Polo? Uh, no, we did not today. No, nope, uh, we did not Marco Polo today. That's disappointing. Uh, Larry Pilgrim says, I live in Florida. Dropped at $1,200 for tickets in a room for my Utes against the Gators. Casual with opinions uh, and empty pockets. Go Utes. Yeah, casual. Dude, they're going to win that game. That's my yeah, casual they opinion. They are. Uh, Jacob DeLambo says, I lost my virginity to a Cheerio. <laughs> Yeah, donut. You know, hey man, just because I wear a size 15 shoe don't mean nothing. Let me tell Home you that. Medic. All that means <laughs> is you know. <laughs> Jeremy Dude. Jeremy Callahan says ghosted. Kenneth says anyone with San Diego State last bowl game, it was like watching a Texas 5A football game. Wow. Jackass. Okay. Uh Christopher Shannon says Jake's a father. Nah. You he just doesn't know. About it. There's been no documentation. Uh, KM says, what about Arizona, Arizona State? Are they committed? They are not. No. In my opinion. No. They are not committed. Nope. You know, like. Nope. They it, out. It's, yeah, it's just, it's weak in my opinion, right? When you're not committed, um, you know, and you haven't done the $10 membership at TridayTrading.com, yeah, I, I mean, just don't on. know what other level of commitment you would need to see. Uh, $10 for 30 days, TridayTrading.com, 10 bucks to save um, the rest of your life. Seriously, it'll change you. Uh, day trading is unbelievable. I was looking at stocks today. I picked up two different stocks, 50 shares each. Uh, super stoked about them. Uh, and that's the way that I think I got into day trading. And really, I made my first real day trading money on AMC and GameStop. Yeah. And I'm a market guy. I tell you that every time we talk about tri-day trading, Go through the program. It's $10 for a 30-day membership. If you can't change your life in 30 days with Tri-Day Trading, maybe it's not for you. But what if you join this program and it makes you the money for that house you've always wanted, yeah. the car you've always wanted? What if it makes you that money to take your family and be the ones at Disneyland on vacation? 
Instead of seeing all the pictures on social media, your family's the one at Disneyland. Think about it in those terms. The honeymoon you couldn't afford. You're tired of working for somebody else. You get out of bed today and you're like, damn it, it's Monday. I don't want to go and talk to Stan <coughs> about my, my garbage route. Tridaytrading.com. You hate your boss? Tridaytrading.com. If you dread your job? Tridaytrading.com. I'm telling you, give me $10 to change the rest of your life. Would you do it? If I said, if you give me a $10 bill, I will change the rest of your life. How about of course that? you would. Of course you would. Give it to TridayTrading.com. They're going to donate it to charity. That's a tax write-off for you. They're going to give you exclusive co coaching um, that means it's education. Look at step three. Learn one-on-one -on -one with your own professional day trading coach to trade using our proprietary leading indicators. They're going to teach you how to day trade. Tax write-off. Number four, upon successful completion, they're going to put as much as $100,000 into your account of their own money. And what does that mean? That means that if you make money trading their money, you get to keep 80% of the profit. Yes! $10 to change the rest of your life. Please go do it. It takes 20 seconds to register. Drop down, hit the Monty show where you found out about it, please. Yeah. Tridaytrading.com right here on the Monty show. Uh, Jeremy Callahan says, yes, screw Stan. Yeah, what a douche. Isn't it the worst when you hate your boss? You're a douche. It's crazy. Uh, plenty of toast for all the butter says, a thousand a day would cover my daily toast intake. Well, hit it. You know, fast. Hit it. Uh, Big Jack says, one on one. Yes, sir. That's what I love about it. Uh, J.K. Marshall says, I snorted Pac-12 today. Okay. No, he said I shorted Pac-12. I misread that as an N instead of an H. I was going to say, if you chop that up and snort, um. I wouldn't recommend it. I shorted Pac-12 today. You probably should. Jeremy Callahan says, Crack-12. That's right. Okay. Okay. Salty Drunk says, I see Walker Wilt Chamberlain Kessler is out on a concussion protocol. Done for the year. Uh -huh. Done for the year. I think that's hip one. Uh, Truck Stop Gumby says, fat. Yes, I am. Fat. Uh, Alpha Kenny guy says, I wish I had $10. 10 bucks, man. 10 bucks. Uh, let's see. DeLambo says, no, not Skywalker. First time Kessler run. Out for the year, concussion. Uh, Big Jack 512. Pack is what they use to cut the good stuff. See, they just cut in that. Right, right. TV deals, and they just kind of stick it in. The pack, you know. Uh, that probably came out wrong. Uh, Reister JP says Monty snorts powdered sugar. I don't snort really. I, I don't do that. Don't think powdered so. sugar is actually kind of disgusting. I'm not a sugar guy. I love sugar. I just don't eat it because it's terrible for you. Uh, MJ Bissett gives us $5 to say is a grant of rights that only extends to 2028 possible. Well, you got to look at it this way. So their current TV contract, it's about a year and two months to go, right? So you kick off football season, um, they run typically July to July. So if if you do a four-year grant of rights, July 2024 to July 2028, I don't know what the gain is. And why would you do four instead of three or five? Or The longer it is, I think the more difficult it's going to get people to commit. I, I, I yeah. truly do. Um, and I think it, it, doesn't, it doesn't, in my opinion, make a lot of sense to commit to this conference if it's under $30 million. Well, and I think that it, what really doesn't make sense is doing a three-year grant of rights, let's say, because in in year one and a half, you're already going to be renegotiating another deal. Like, 
that's why you always see these are usually five or even 10 year agreements. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I just, I think it's fascinating. I truly do. I, I just, the, the time of the commitment doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Tanner Plummer, on my mission, I had a companion who lost his virginity to a picture of his sister's best friend. Holden Middick. <laughs> so wait, Tanner, who very pointedly introduced soaking to this show like two years ago. Right. You're telling me that um, strengthening your forearm to a picture of your sister's best friend Scott. is considered sexual activity enough to lose your virginity. I'm so bricked up right now. That doesn't seem right. It doesn't. You know. Uh, let's see. Talking with Raphael Podcast. I'm watching you guys from Twitch for a bit. Oh, nice. What's up, Raphael? Nice, dude. That, that away. Appreciate you. Yes, we stream to Twitch every day. A little simulcast um, action. So if you're on Twitch, hook it up. If you're on YouTube, hook it up. Uh, Arlington Bears, good afternoon. Hey, should we be excited for the love fest between the NHL and Ryan Smith? How about a future NHL team and arena in Utah? I think... Why wouldn't you just play it at the Delta Center? Yeah. I fairly... Not, well, not fairly certain. They have capability to make ice there. Uh, we know that. They've played hockey games there. And the money that he's put into that building, I mean, I, I don't know why you wouldn't do that, Arlington. Like, I think that is... Well, and it's downtown Salt Lake. I mean, I, I, it's, you know, with all due respect to, you know, any other town in this valley, I, it's just not the same. Like, if you were to... Like, taking the jazz away from Salt Lake would be one of the dumbest things Ryan Smith could do, in my opinion. Yep, I totally agree. Make sure you guys hit the like button right now. That would be phenomenal. Uh, big shout out to everybody whose first day is on the show. We've added nine new members. Let's go. Appreciate that. Um, so thank you for that. Let's see. A couple more. Um, big Jack 512 says Brigham was lots of people's daddy. Okay. Okay. Um, Cougar Tail says Monty snorts bucked up Miami. You ain't wrong, man. I ain't telling you to get alternative with your ingestion. Yeah. But I am telling you uh, that I would absolutely encourage you to uh use the bucked up miami yes it's amazing wait did i just see adam schefter adam schefter tweeted record-breaking national championship thriller between lsu and iowa makes tv history with 9.9 million viewers a hundred and three percent year over year oh what are you talking about man Jeez. their peak was 12.6 million that's crazy. They had 9.9 million average viewers. I'm telling you, everyone can hate Caitlin Clark, and we can, and we're going to talk about this Caitlin Clark Reese thing. But I'm telling you, it's good for the game. It is yeah. good for their game. I didn't love that situation. I did not love that situation at all. Frankly, if we're being honest, I mean, I, I don't know. I think maybe we should come back and talk about that because the Caitlin Clark, she. <laughs> Okay, we'll come back. You know what? No, I'm not going to play your games. Angel <laughs> Reese, I'm not playing your little games. <laughs> I am not. This hour of the show presented by our good friends at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Make sure that you use the promo code MATI25 to get 25% off your purchase at $25 or more. Now, me personally, yesterday, we had the meatball marinara and we had the family-sized pizza with traditional crust barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. Extra herb seasoning, onions, mushrooms. It was amazing. 
I'm telling you, the marinara meatball, awesome. At Papa Murphy's, we do more than just pizza. We do meatballs and marinara. Actually, I do the meatballs and marinara. And how do you do it, Dad? How do I do it? How do I do it? Order now at PapaMurphy's.com. Papa Murphy's Pizza, make sure you use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more at Papa Murphy's Pizza. The Monty Show, as always, presented by The Advocates, theadvocates.com, the best entry attorneys in the business. Dudes, I'm telling you, did you get hurt at work? They handle workman's comp. The workman's comp legal game is shark-infested waters. You need somebody who knows the process, who lives that process because they're experts at Workman's comp law. And I'm telling you, injury attorneys are not all created equal. Go to somebody that's got the experience in your situation, theadvocates.com. There's nothing that they have not seen. They have a depth of knowledge because they employ the best attorneys in the business. So if you've been hurt at work, check them out online, theadvocates.com. And the good news is you don't pay the advocates until they win your case. Chat with an attorney live online for free 24 seven, because they have no consultation fees. They have no big retainers. Because again, you don't pay them until they win your case. Chat with an attorney online for free 24 seven at theadvocates.com. All right, let's get into this situation with Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. Did you guys see it? Of course you did, because everybody saw it. Right. Short is on the channel right now. I really hate this thing. I'll be honest with you. We've talked about this a lot on the show. I am a believer that all of this trash talking that goes on at the youth level, at the AAU level, in high school basketball, in middle school basketball, in basketball played in mom's womb, like there is shit talking all over the place (coughs) in all of these levels. And I think last night in the national championship game that now we know had the largest audience ever, I feel like Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark embarrass themselves. To a lesser extent, Caitlin Clark. What bothers me is not is not the trash talk. It's not the wave in front of your face. It's not the point to your finger. My issue with Reese is that she followed Caitlin Clark around the floor. The game was over. Caitlin Clark is walking off, and Reese is trying to catch up to her to wave in her face and point at her finger. And do you feel better about yourself now? Do you feel better about yourself? Because, Jake, that really bothered me. And, frankly, I thought it was an embarrassment for women's basketball. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the as usual with any conversation we have on the show, I think what's paramount is context. And I think that, that having an understanding of, of when it's proper to talk trash and when it's not proper is, is, is crucial to effectively talking trash. I mean, it's really that simple. So, so I didn't have any issue with, uh, you know, what Angel Reese did uh, up until, yeah, she started following Caitlin Clark around. And, and for me, I my biggest thing was, hey, the game was over and your teammates are celebrating. Who cares about Caitlin Clark? Like, you just beat her. Why not go and celebrate with your teammates? Why not? Like, that was that was kind of my thought. And, and there's this whole conversation about how, like, like, you know, Reese after the game talking about how there's a double standard and you guys called me ghetto and, and it was cool for Caitlin Clark, but not cool for me. And this was bigger than me. And it's in, in unfortunately, and Hey, maybe, maybe I'm not suited to, to, to speak on this, I guess about how she feels, but, but my biggest thing was, 
hey, it's not that you're you're fighting for something bigger than you, even though by playing at the level you're playing, you really are inspiring what must be millions of young black ladies who aspire to play basketball and aspire to do what you've done. Like, I'm all for that. I'm about it. I love it. But I, I think I loved it right up until you took it a little bit too far. I look at what Steph Curry did in the in the finals against the Celtics last year where he was pointing to his ring finger and talking a bunch of junk. When did he do that? And I think this is crucial to to the conversation. The game wasn't over at that point. Steph was making that gesture. I want to say there was about 90 seconds left in the game. They had just gone on a run. Boston calls a timeout. And what does Steph do? He makes those motions. I'm cool with that. Right, so it's not it's not that I'm uh, uh, upset that Angel Reese was talking junk. That's not even the conversation. The conversation is instead of being with your teammates, you chose to go and light it up on Caitlin Clark, and it's like that's all fine and dandy. The problem is, is that Caitlin Clark is already well known as the best player in women's college basketball. Caitlin Clark is already above this. Caitlin, like it's not even a conversation yeah. anymore. And that that for me, when I saw her do that. I was like, no, no, no. What, what are you, what are you doing? Just stop because you, you already won the game. The game was over. Yeah. Go and be in the moment, and that's, that's where I was like, damn, like might have been a little bit of a misstep. But I didn't have any issue with the trash talk. And you look at her following Caitlin Clark here. Are you not trying to celebrate that win? Like, and I'm fine with that when the game's over. But when you're seeking her out yeah, and you continually, you're just following her around like this is weird to me. Yeah. This is weird to me that you are more interested in taunting her than you are than you are winning. And here's what here's what uh, Angel Reese said after the game. All year I was critiqued about who I was. Nobody. I don't yeah, 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 the narrative. I don't fit the narrative. I don't fit in the box that y'all want me to be in. I'm too hood. I'm too ghetto. Y'all told me that all year. But when other people do it, y'all don't say nothing. So this was for the girls that look like me, that's going to speak up on what they, they believe in. It's unapologetically you. And that's what I did it for tonight. This was for the more than, it was bigger than me tonight. It was bigger than me. And this I have a problem with. I don't, and listen, maybe I just don't pay attention. I don't think anybody was after Angel Reese because she's a black woman. I just don't see it that way. All year long, and this is for people who look like me, like, what are you talking about? It, it, this is, to me, the, the issue in this situation. I think Angel Reese, who was a washout at her former school, Maryland, winds up playing at LSU. They wind up winning a championship. Her coach acted like a jackass. She acted like a jackass. Now you're trying to say that it was personal because people who, you know, people were calling you out all year because you were unapologetically, get out of here. This is all an excuse for your bad behavior. And again, I look at Caitlin Clark. This is, this is the best player in women's college basketball, Caitlin Clark. She's in your head, Reese. She's in your head. You're on the floor. Your team won. You're not jumping up and down. You're chasing down the GOAT, arguably the best women's college basketball player ever, Yeah, to celebrate in her face because she owns you. That's what that was. Here's Caitlin Clark after the game. Honestly, I have no idea. I was just trying to get to the handshake line and shake hands. And, you know, 
be grateful that my team was in that position. Um, you know, that's all you can do is, you know, hold your head high, be proud of what you did. And she also talked about how she was just trying to enjoy every moment she could during the game um, with with the the five people that she had played nine. I think it was ninety three games with. Like it, it's just to me, it's bad behavior that we don't need. But where else are we seeing this? Randy Rosarena, that's where else we're seeing it. Like you look at this, he hits a home run and look what he does. He stops and poses. Guy, is this your first home run ever? Is this your first home run ever? It's not. He he is a prolific home run hitter, yet he's going to stop and do a pose. This is, I'm telling you guys, right now, it's gone too far. Well, and I think a couple of the other examples, because I'm sure in the comments, everyone's going to start referencing other Caitlin Clark moments. And, and I want to talk about them. The, the, the nonsense where Caitlin Clark is standing in the paint, not guarding her opponent, the, the, the John Cena, you can't see me reference. Like, but see, the, all, do you have a problem with that? Well, I, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem if you don't want to guard someone. If, they, if they're not going to make the shot, you don't have to guard them. I, I mean, like, I, and I've even said this at the NBA level. We've seen this. Everybody was all cool with this when it was Russell Westbrook and Russell Westbrook, and he's terrible. Everyone was all cool with it. But now that Angel Reese is saying it, now that Caitlin Clark's doing it, it's a problem. And, and, and that's where I think that, that we have to get to in this conversation. The difference between what Caitlin Clark did and what Angel Reese did is that Angel Reese pulled shenanigans after the game was over. Where was all the trash talking during the game? Where was, where was it It all? was there. When LSU took control of the game, that's when this really got out of hand. By the way, by the way, why is it that Angel Reese and company took it so personally when Caitlin Clark didn't didn't want to guard her her assignment uh, at the perimeter, when she said, "Hey, this person can't shoot a three. And by the way, that wasn't even in this game. That was the round I know, before. I know, but that's my point. It had nothing to do with LSU. Yeah, nothing to do with you. And yet, LSU and company want to take it personally. And and I'm all for. Listen, I am all here for heated competition and talking smack and, and all this great stuff. I'm here for it, but it has to be done the right way. Talk. And yelling ho at Caitlin Clark, come on. Yeah, another low cash thing. I just, I don't know. The whole thing know. the whole thing to me stinks. And Caitlin Clark, you are going to get people doing the John Cena hand wave because that's your move, dude. Yeah. It's like Steph turning around and running away, not looking at the three going. That's your move. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with with Reese following her. The game is over, and you can't you can't let it go. So you just want to like like it's it's so childish, yeah. In my opinion, because Caitlin Clark's going on to the WNBA, she's going to have a phenomenal career. Nothing that happened last night will change that. It certainly is not her fault they lost the game, but you see this stuff filtering down now. That's what my biggest issue with it is. That, that's the, the biggest issue for me. Uh, Keith Carl says, let's not forget Angel flipping off Hawk fans uh, during the walk-in. You know, I, I think it's one of these things where she's, Angel Reese is a good player. She's not elite. She will never be, Caitlin Clark is a far better player. And I think there is, when you are the best, you're going to get stuff like this. Mm-hmm. When you are, when you're the goat, you're going to get stuff like this. And I think 
Angel Reese needs to learn how to be successful. And by the way, uh, Caitlin Clark will be coming back because she's ineligible for the WNBA draft because her birthday was too late by rule. So she has to come back one more year. She's ineligible. I thought, no, we need to double check that because she straight up set up there last night that she was, this was her trying to, you know, this she was trying to enjoy every moment she has with these five because she said something to the effect of that it was over. But hey, if she's coming back, great. Great. Let her come back. I mean, I I would love to see these two go head-to-head again mm-hmm. because Caitlin Clark, they're both really good players. Caitlin Clark's just elite, period. Uh, Chad Strait said she waved her hand at her and mocked her. She did. She did. Uh, James McKenzie uh, says, Caitlin is great. Reese is ghetto. I think Reese proved her point. Uh, well, I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with Reese being ghetto. Yeah, and that was the other thing I just didn't understand. Like, like you're, I, I don't know, man. I, I, we're all going to have our opinions on this, right? And, and I'm cool to keep reading comments on this. It's fine. But, like, you you look at, you. I just feel like Angel Reese is forcing a narrative here. And I'm not sure I would agree with case that. That, that the narrative is there. I just don't think it is. And, I don't think that she was victimized because of the color of her skin. I don't believe that. The reason, by the way, that Caitlin Clark is not eligible for the NBA draft is because she turned 22 years old too late to become eligible for this year's draft. So she has to play one more year, and then she can be, then she can go on to the WNBA. So she is eligible for the 2024 draft. By the way, did you guys see that uh, Anthony Rendon suspended five games for his altercation with that fan in Oakland just now? Yeah. Five games. Yeah. I mean, completely irresponsible out of him, too. I think it is crazy to me that you're looking at a situation where we're, we're trying to figure out if, if what it, what was your comment? Reese's ghetto? It has nothing to do with her being ghetto. Yeah. I really don't care, you know, where any of these people are from yeah. or the color of their skin or whatever. All I'm talking about is the behavior on the court when the game is over and you should be with your teammates. And I mean, again, if, if, if this was. If this was Draymond, everyone would be crucifying Draymond. Everyone yeah. would be saying, hey, Draymond's an idiot, and he's terrible, and this guy's reckless. If this was Dylan Brooks, we'd all be sitting here saying, oh, not surprised, it's Dylan Brooks and the Grizzlies, right? Like, But it's it's Angel Reese, and it's LSU women's basketball, and so it feels a little different. And I'm telling you, it's not different. It's just the same. And we shouldn't be setting you know, any kind of different standard. I, I don't know why. And sh- Angel Reese is never going to get away from the fact that you should have gone and been with your teammates. Let her go. You've beat her. It's yeah. over. Winning is is the ultimate trump card. Yeah, and I think I think Angel Reese following her around the court is is real. And you see in that clip that she just won't stop. Like Angel Reese has no idea how to win. She has no idea how to win. Yeah. And then to make it an issue of race after the game, I just thought was Angel Reese is 20 so years poor. old. So poorly done. Like <laughs> so poorly done. I, I just it, it is it, it to me it has nothing to do with her race. I think it's an immaturity issue. Yeah. I think I think that that Angel Reese acted like a child. I think she lacks professionalism. I think she lacks but but I I also look at her coach acting like a complete fool on the sideline, you know, if getting into a physical altercation with an official running on the floor, yeah. like LSU, in my opinion, has some major correcting to do of a program that just won a national championship. 
I, I, that's not, that behavior to me is not something to be proud of. It's not. I, I mean, it is. I just don't understand why it's so difficult to get it through your head that you just won a national championship and you are more, more concerned about talking right, trash. But, th- but my, that was my point. You just supposedly won something you've worked your entire life for, according to her words, yeah. Angel Reese. Yeah. And you were more concerned with turning the screws on Caitlin Clark. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? Go. You just won a national championship. And you're more, that's why I say Caitlin Clark is in her head. There, there's no doubt about it. He's in her head. Yeah. Like it's, and the fact that we celebrate this nonsense is that's the bigger issue for me. Why are we going to celebrate this? Because she will be celebrated for this. Oh, you told her, you showed her, you didn't. You embarrassed yourself, in my opinion. So I, I just, yeah. If you wanted to get over on Caitlin Clark, you did. You beat her. Yeah. You, she was devastated with the loss. And I think it's because it's her entire life is winning basketball, as it should be at 22 years old. You're 20 years old. You're a child next to her. Yeah. She's a role model for you. Yeah. She is. Caitlin Clark is what all female basketball players should aspire to be. Right? She treats people well. She is mature. She Dude, is you're a good student. you're getting called female Steph Curry, bro. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. But yet, you want to go after her with the, the taunting. It's just so foolish yeah. to me. Yeah. It is so foolish to me. And I also think one one last aspect of this that I think is really interesting is 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 how ESPN pundits are reacting to this. I mean, it, it is a uh, uh, they're just taking Caitlin Clark to the woodshed. They're taking they're taking all these people who criticize you know Angel Reese all year long, like Jay Williams and Stephen A. and all these guys are just going in on this and. And look, I understand that's what you do for a living, but but I I start to wonder, man, like like are you really giving your true honest opinion on this because anybody who like especially Jay Williams, man, like like that guy is a basketball veteran. That guy has experience, like he's he yeah. knows what he's doing. Like this is not a newbie. This is not someone who just did their first TV show for ESPN. Like like this is somebody who does this for a living and is a true professional in the industry. And and, and to hear what he had to say today about it, I was just like, dude, like, how do you look at this and be like, oh, there's a huge narrative at play? Like, I just I just was really surprised by the the overall reaction to this. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, Devad Z says, if Reese is no role model for others, then Clark isn't either. She literally did the same thing. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. No, what? Let's not get this twisted. Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese acted in completely different fashion. There's no, there's almost no comparison. The idea that your team won the championship and you followed your opponent around the court to taunt her tells me that you're a child. It tells me that you were there for yourself. It tells me that you're not about the team, right? When you look at Caitlin Clark's hand wave in front of her face, did she ever follow somebody around the court to do that? Did she ever try to show somebody up with her hand? Like, it's a completely different thing. It is, it, it is, it's not even in the same league. It wasn't after a game. Like it wasn't this in is, the national championship game. Look it wasn't. At, look at how much she is enamored with Caitlin Clark, that she calls her a hoe and just like can't notice, let it go. Caitlin doesn't even acknowledge her existence. Can't let it go. Just cannot. This is not nearly the same thing. This is not in the same hemisphere. 
You're so, you learn how to act. Yeah. You're a child. And I think that's where people get caught up on this conversation because it's the same hand motion, right? It's the it's the same physical act, but it's not nearly the same mental Correct. choice. And I think that's what nobody wants to talk about. Uh, again, I'm going to keep saying this till I'm blue in the face. You don't do that when you've just won a championship ever. You do not do that. Now, if you want to if you're Travis Kelsey and you want to talk about Burrowhead and all that? Okay, I'm good with that because you're not taunting your opponent. Like you're using their word. Like okay, cool. That's, Even just conversation like, between two opponents means almost nothing. Yeah. Like you, you listen to some of the. Trust me, man. I've covered Jordan, Kobe, like the best shit talkers in the history of the NBA. The heinous things that yeah. were said between guys. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. It's how you treat your opponent when the, the, the outcome is decided. That's my biggest issue here. It's not that you, it, like calling somebody a hoe is, I mean, I guess it is what it is, but I just think that's incredibly low cash. Now, the other things that she has said and done, or it, 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 it frankly, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. It, it, yeah. Kent Hone says, new segment, guys. This is old. Everybody's going to have their own opinion. Well, what do you mean? Like, it, I, I think this is... explain that more, dude. I think this is one of the biggest stories in all of sports right now. It's what... If you go online, it's what everybody's talking about. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Big Jack 512 says, get Barkley on the line. Yeah. Uh, Dale Donut says, how different is this than the 49ers uh, posing in the end zone thinking they'd won the Super Bowl? It is completely different. And you know why it's different? And again, I think this is crucial. That is all in-game. Inside the game is different than outside the game. If yeah. the game is over, you've just won a national championship, and let me get this right, you thought it was a good idea to go and talk a, a bunch of junk and do all this gesturing again. While all of, your teammates are running by you to yeah, go yeah. celebrate, you're following Caitlin Clark around. Come on, dude. Like, Do you are have you serious? no appreciation? While your coach is hugging and kissing her players, you're following Caitlin Clark around. So, yeah, it is different. It is different. Come on. It is different. Come on. Come on. Lamont Tucker says, a great tournament now ruined because of the media? This wasn't a big deal. Trash talking at its finest. It wasn't. It's not the trash talking that's the issue. I just, mm. uh, I like this segment. Just think the hosts have it wrong. I, okay. I, it doesn't, that's that's what we do, you guys. We talk about differing opinions. Why is it that that we can't have a discussion about something you don't agree with? Yeah. That's what I don't understand. Uh, Brandon Butler, sportsmanship died a long time ago. Win or lose, you should have some class. And I exactly. just don't think it's that difficult in the moment. Like, I would have been fine. You, honestly, I would have been fine if she'd have done nothing on the floor and took it to the press conference, would have been fine. If you, if in the press conference, you're sitting up there with a trophy in your hand or whatever, and you've got the championship hat on and you're living in your moment and you wanted to say, Hey, like, you know, really respect Caitlin Clark. But after all the junk she had talked during the tournament and the way she played defense and everything, like, like we took that personally and that fueled up. Like, okay, great, great. Fine. Awesome, dude. Awesome. But but I just can't get down with you're going to follow someone around. And really, I'm starting to even set that aside. What I really don't like is the choice to not go and be with your teammates. Because notice the two answers are very different out of these two after the game, right? One, 
Angel Reese wants to talk about the media and a narrative and how this is bigger than her. What it, Caitlin Clark wants to talk about, hey, like, this is for my teammates, and, and, and this is for, for, like, she goes on to talk about this whole thing about how she hopes that, you know, she inspired the state of Iowa, and, like, you know what I mean? So it's, like, it's just even, like, it's just class versus no class, and that's that's where my issue and, is. And it, really more, it's stuff like the Arosa Reina nonsense. Yeah. Stopping before third base to pose? Yeah. What are we doing? And you, and you look at the way this goes down to kids basketball. Look at these are AAU kids that are taunting each other. And like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, this is what we're teaching our kids. Yeah. This is the stuff that we're teaching our kids. I have no doubt that it's in basketball culture now to talk junk. And that's, hey, again, again. It's crazy It's to me. fine. It's fine if you have a grip on it. Talk all your junk. Do like do the Pat Bev. Do the Ross. Do like okay, great. Do all that. Yeah. But once the game's over, it's over. That's it. Yeah, totally agree. All right, four twenty-five on the Monty program, reminding you that when you want the best barbecue equipment in the business, you go to barbecue pit stop bbqpitstop.com. Again, I'm a Traeger guy. It was awesome yesterday. We had a little gap in the weather. Got the Papa Murphy's pizza. Stuck it on the Traeger. I have an Ironwood eight eight five. Turn that thing up to 425, hit ignite. Yes, yes, yes. My Wi-Fi technology, it tells me when the grill is heated on my phone. Drop the pizza on there, 25 minutes later, bing, bam, boom, done. The Traeger is unbelievable. But if you're a Yoder guy or you're a Big Green A guy or you're a Camp Chef guy, knock it down, right? And by the way, if you're also a guy that needs all the seasoning in the world, absolutely knock it down at bbqpitstop.com. Asado seasoning, by the way, Mrs. Monty made me some sweet potatoes with ground turkey on them the other night. What did she uh, season the ground turkey with? Asado seasoning. It works for eggs. It works for ground turkey. It works for wings, briskets, you name it. Knock it down with barbecue pit stop, bbqpitstop.com. Apparently knock it down is my favorite saying yeah. now. But I love the guys. They're all entrepreneurs. Really excited for the Payson store to open on April 14th is their grand opening. But Logan, Leighton, Lehigh, Payson, St. George, and our good friends on State Street and Murray Barbecue Pit Stop. BBQPitStop.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Uh, Big Jack 512 would like to clarify that LSU is not AAU. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Because I, I was a little worried that it was, that it was you know, some AAU nonsense. By the way, real quick, speaking of LSU SEC football and whatnot, yeah. did you guys see that... Um, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are going to work out for the Colts. And then Bryce Young is going to go and work out tomorrow for the Houston Texans. Mm -hmm. Again, I'll ask you, who you got, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? Bryce Young. It's not even close, dude. I would be taking Bryce Young. I think the guy mentally is twice the player C.J. Stroud is. I think he understands what defenses are trying to do to him. I think that... He knows how to stay healthy for the most part. I also think that the guy's battle-tested. How many times did he play hurt at Alabama and win them games? How many times did he have to carry that? To, like, I, I understand that C.J. Stroud had this, you know, unbelievable college football playoff performance and, and righted the ship, and all of a sudden this guy can run and throw, and he's dual. Like, that's cool. That's cool. But but I don't, that, I don't buy that just because you had one game like that 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 makes you better than Bryce Young. I will say that Bryce Young's size, yeah, sure, it's a conversation point, but it would not stop me from drafting him. It just would not. There have been guys 
in this league that have been on the smaller side that have done fine. And I think the big thing, like Kyler Murray, the big thing for Kyler Murray is he has no clue what a defense is trying to do to him. No idea. And I, I would put money on Bryce Young being able to learn what NFL defenses are trying to do to him. Well, and I also think that C.J. Stroud's a hell of a quarterback. I mean, C.J. Stroud, I think, is going to be a fine pro. I just think when you make the plays in the games that Bryce Young made those plays in, and you show the composure and the attitude and the the want-to-compete level yeah. that Bryce Young has shown at Alabama, I, I don't know how you turn that down. Is his size prototypical? It's not. But what we learned at the Combine was that Bryce Young stands tall and delivers that football with a high release and that he has not had trouble throwing over SEC defensive lines in any way, shape, or form. He's a guy that moves well. He's a guy that throws on the run well. Something I worry about with C.J. Stroud is his in, inability during games, but we saw it in the bowl game where he was able to run. It's not something he's comfortable with. In today's NFL, you have to be able to move and throw on the run. And I'm curious to see how that translates for C.J. Stroud. Mm -hmm. But I look at Bryce Young, and I always want the guy that's the guy. And I, I also think there's something to be said about where they played because I don't believe that C.J. Stroud's the reason Ohio State was elite. I, I don't. I also look at his wide receiver talent. I think that helps you as a quarterback significantly, right? I look at Bryce Young. Bryce Young didn't have wide receiver talent this year at Alabama. They were, frankly, shockingly shallow at wide receiver. I love Bryce Young's mentality. I love his athletic ability. I love his, his accuracy as a passer. I think he is going to be a better pro. But the other question you have to answer is, where are they going to end up? Because if C.J. Stroud truly goes number one to Carolina, I think that is a much better situation than going to Houston. Yeah, I, I just think Houston is a dumpster fire. I think their owner is an atrocious, atrocious human being. I think the Houston, the Houston Texans don't win. It's going to be really interesting to see where these guys end up because the end destination and again it's just my opinion the end destination is far more important than the ability of the quarterback agreed completely 100 by the way the other guy i think you can look at with that is zach wilson mm -hmm. because i think if zachy poo winds up in a better quarterback machine than the new york jets i think he's probably a better quarterback today I, and we can go over this and over this and over this in the in the nba anthony bennett to the Cavs. well what if he ends up in Boston or the Lakers? Or yeah. you know, if you you go to you go through these drafts enough, you realize it's great that you were a stud in college. That doesn't mean you're going to be a stud in the NFL. Well, look at Trevor Lawrence's path. I mean, you know, struggling the first two seasons and getting a coaching change that ultimately has has bettered his career. And you put in him, a quarterback guy like Doug Peterson. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's allowed him to be more prepared. And I truly believe, like the more seasons we go through, and the more these young studs come into the league. The more I believe that it, it's just all about them understanding what they're looking at. And really, it's their ability of their head coach and their offensive coordinator to teach them as quickly as they can, but as quality as they can. And and, and you're right. Like, the Jets are not known for great quarterbacking. They're just not. And, and I, I'm not even a Jets hater. I frankly think they're inconsequential to the AFC until the Aaron Rodgers deal is done. Right? Like, until you have that done, you're inconsequential. But, but ultimately... The teams that develop guys and the teams that give guys the tools to be successful in their role are going to be the ones that that are that are going to the promised land. Like, look at San Francisco and Brock Purdy. Uh, Brock Purdy is not as good as his numbers say he is, yeah. right? Like, Brock Purdy is a is a product 
of a system that puts him in a good position to complete passes. And that's no shade against Brock Purdy. If every NFL offense could do that, they would do it. But not everyone has the last name of Shanahan. And that's the magic of it. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see exactly where these guys end up. Because I also look at Alabama. It's not like it's a quarterback you know, academy here in recent years anywhere. I mean, obviously, Tua Tungavailoa has had his issues at Miami. Yeah. I think Mac Jones has very cl- clearly had his issues in New England. Now, you put two defensive coordinators as your offensive coordinator. I don't know any quarterback that's going to thrive there. But you, like, notice the pattern, right? New England's a great example. Yep, but I look at Jalen Hurts. Well, was it Alabama or was it Oklahoma, right? You look at Blake Barnett, eh, I look at Cooper Bateman, no. Jay Coker, no. Blake Sims, no. A.J. McCarron, no. Greg McElroy, J.P. Wilson, Brody Croyle. Like, I mean, the days of Ken Stabler and Bart Starr and Joe Namath are far from, are, are, far, are over. They're far from reality. I think this is an incredibly important next three years out of Bryce Young because I think you're hanging on to Mac Jones and Tua Tungavailoa for your quarterback reputation. I think this is a critical time for for Nick Saban and quarterbacks. Well, and I think the the Jalen Hurts thing you can't skip over is that when he went to Alabama, you, you, like him and Nick Saban, and Nick Saban's talked about this. You can go on YouTube and find this this whole story. It's a, it's awesome. Nick Saban talked all about how when Jalen Hurts rolled up to camp, Nick Saban told him, "Hey, you're not going to start here. You are not good enough to start here." And and so Jalen said, okay, well, what do I need to do? What needs to change? And it was all throwing mechanics. And Nick Saban goes on to talk about how, you know, hey, your throwing mechanic mechanics are not NFL caliber. And and that's the that's what that's the kind of program we try to run. We try to be as close to the NFL level as possible so that if you're successful here, you're successful at the next level. And so all this great stuff. So so Jalen's success truly was that Nick Saban was able to say, Hey, you are not good enough. This is what you need to do. And Jalen went and worked his ass off to do that. And now Jalen gets to the NFL level. He progresses, he progresses, he progresses. He becomes a prolific passer in the league. And now we're here with a Super Bowl appearance. And I think that is the the beauty of it. And I'm telling you, these that's why I'm taking, that's part of the reason why I would take Bryce Young because I will take Nick Saban all day over Ryan Day. I will. I will every single time. And I, and, and, and I know Ryan Day is a wonderful head coach. I know he does a lot of great things at Ohio State. You're not Nick Saban. And there's a reason Nick Saban has won all those championships. And I know Kirby Smart's coming, and I know they've had a lot of success the last two seasons. But I'm telling you, if you really look at it, take their stats out of it, look at their situations, look at the reality they've had to live in. Bryce Young is in Nick Saban's system. And for that alone, I would take him over C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting because you also have to, you also have to consider, you know, like what do you – what do you get when you look at Ohio State quarterbacks? I mean, I, you know, obviously Justin Fields is a guy that as a Bears fan, I'm intimately familiar with, right? Um, but he's not exactly been great. A guy like a Dwayne Haskins hasn't been great. Um, you know, a Les Horvath, an Arch Schleister, uh, you know, Tom Tupa. Like it's, it's not as though you have this long list, um, you know, of great quarterbacks who somehow, some way changed the way the NFL game was played. Braxton Miller ain't walking through that door anytime soon, or Craig Krenzel or Troy Brown, or I mean, I, I'm trying to a uh, Joe Germain. What is what does Ohio State put out? They put out running backs and wide receivers, dude. Yeah. And I mean they're defensively they they have guys. Yeah, and I mean defensively too. Obviously yeah. you have an Orlando pace on the offensive line, but 
I, I think quarterbacks are incredibly difficult to judge. I think they're incredibly difficult to to put a measure on and say, hey, this guy's going to do you know incredibly well. Incredibly well, right? I mean, yeah. no, no, 513 Bearcat. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow went to Ohio State where he was a water boy. He won his, his, his national championship and, and cut his teeth at LSU. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. You know, like it is, it is very difficult. And I say this about USC as well. Yeah. Who's the last great USC quarterback? Caleb Williams. You know, like, you, well. That was the last great one. I, I can't think of a guy, whether it was Carson Palmer, Matt Liner, San, Mark Sanchez in the butt fumble, like M- Matt Barkley, like the list of quarterbacks that are busts from USC in the NFL is long. Yeah. Now, obviously, Carson Palmer wasn't a bust. He's probably the best quarterback in recent years. But it's going to be, it's always a gamble no matter who you wind up drafting. And Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are no different. They certainly are no different. It's going to be interesting. I would be on Bryce Young. That's where I would be. I think the Big Ten is incredibly, incredibly shallow. I would be on on Bryce Young. Uh, J.K. Marshall says, I miss Coach Ogeron. Yeah. Go Tigers. Do you miss his girlfriend and her kids at practice throwing passes to wide receivers? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, you know. Uh, Alan Train says Ohio State quarterbacks haven't done anything in the NFL. They haven't. Yeah. Uh, Gary says not convinced on Bryce Young or CJ. I think CJ turns into Ted Ginn 2.0 and Bryce will be like field stop. No. I think Bryce doesn't have the athletic ability that, that Justin Fields has. Yeah. I think Bryce Young's biggest question will be what's going to happen the first time he takes a big hit. And can he prove that naysayers wrong? He is a, a guy that can move, and he's a guy that gets outside the pocket, and those guys always miss some linebacker coming through the C-gap. Yep. So it's always a question of how durable are you. I have no doubt. C.J. Stroud can really throw the ball. He is not a wanting runner. He is not a wanting Again, runner. Again, you don't need to be. Yeah, I, I agree with be. that. I agree with that. But in today's NFL, and this is a problem in the NFL right now, like you, you have all these quarterbacks that are, that are you know, Le- Lamar Jackson – who runs far too much, right? Or you have a you have a guy, you know, that stands in the pocket. You know, Jared Goff stands in the pocket far too long. Yep. Or Jimmy Garoppolo, or all these guys that take hits and get hurt. And RG 3s cup of coffee in the league, right? Like you look at these guys. You look at Tua Tagovailoa, always trying to hit home runs and always getting hit when he does, and having like thirty seven concussions so far. You have to find the balance. Yes. A guy like Tom Brady is so rare. Because he can't run, yet he gets rid of the football and rarely takes big hits. Why is he the greatest of all time? Because not many guys can do that. Not many guys can stand and deliver the football routinely. But you come back to a guy like a Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes does it just fine. But what happens when he gets outside the pocket? Well, he almost broke his leg last year, and they still won a Super Bowl. Yeah. So the question will be, think about a, think about a guy like... I don't know. My my guy's sex machine, Justin Herbert mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. How many more hits is he going to take? Because he's not a guy who loves to run. He wants to stand in the pocket and beat you with his arm, and he takes an ass kicking for it, right? So I think you have to find the middle on these guys. It's what makes Jalen Hurts such a special, special guy with this little experience yeah. to already be taking a team to the heights that the Eagles went on his arm, Yes, right? And his ability to run effectively – but what happened to him? He had a 
fucking Chicago Bear fell on his shoulder. Yep. You can't do that. It's it's the it's the Lamar Jackson thing. Watch Lamar Jackson highlights. Guys falling on his shoulder constantly. You know. Uh, Zach says, are we just forgetting that Hurts spinnier with what might have been the best college football quarterback whisperer? I, you're going to have to explain that to me. Uh, Jake uh, Tanner says, did you not listen to Monty's bit about Bama not being a quarterback factory? They haven't produced a good quarterback lately, and an argument could be made that Hertz was the was good in college because of Lincoln Riley. I mean, Lincoln Riley is the guy that makes quarterbacks in college. Now, the question is, how many of his quarterbacks have gone on to great success in the NFL? Well, little I Kyler, mean, little Kyler, Baker Mayfield. Uh, um, yeah, I see a lot of mediocrity. Jalen's the one. Jalen Hurts is the one. Ryan Fair, Ohio State put out tremendous talent at the flex and defensive back position. They yes, do. Yes, they did. Absolutely. Yes, they did. Uh, Tanner says, but who knows? Maybe Bryce Young pans out. I think he will. Uh, I mean, if he busts out, man, I would be shocked. But it's the Texans. The Texans just are just so poorly run. Sam Bradford, Landry Jones. No. Yeah. Right? Like Sam Bradford got paid, but man, he was hurt all the time. What what do we like, dude? This is my take on Lincoln Riley. It always has been. The guy can make a Heisman winner. That doesn't mean the guy is making Super Bowl caliber quarterbacks well, it, in the NFL, dude. I agree. I just think it's so rare that there's not a school. I mean, you can go up and down. Like, look at Oregon. It, anybody think Bo Nix is going to go be a, a franchise historically good quarterback? If he was, he'd no. have been gone already. Right? What about the Marcus Mariotas of the world? The Joey Harringtons of the world? I look at the Washingtons. I look at the USC, the UCLA's. The there's not the day of quarterback factories. I truly believe is over. And I'm a, I'm this coming from a Notre Dame fan. But I think that's why you have to look at their situations in college. I mean, it, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree that quarterback factories are over. But but again, if we're gonna sit here, Tanner, and evangelize for Lincoln Riley, like what are we really even talking about? I mean, again, yeah. Heisman Trophy winners all over the place, but guys that actually panned in the NFL? No, they're not all over the place. That's and, right. And, 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 and again, I, I go back to this concept of you have to look at what was the day-to-day and the culture like in the program that the kid was in. If you're under Nick Saban, you're super disciplined, you're you're on your game, you, you, you're film studying your ass off, you're constantly, like, you're a football player. It is your life. I can't say the same thing, and, and, and I'm not saying Lincoln Riley runs a shoddy program. I'm not saying that, but but I know what Nick Saban is. He's a national champion a gazillion times but, over. But the point is, the point is, I think you want Nick Saban defensive backs, defense, like linemen, and traditionally, traditionally, wide receivers, right? Julio Jones, CeeDee Lamb from Oakland. Like, you look at the, the mix of guys that come out of those two schools, Oklahoma and yeah. Like, okay, but wide receivers, but quarter like if I'm going to Nick Saban, I want I want defensive backs. If I'm going to Lincoln Riley, I want I don't know what I want. Because he he has put out good wide receivers. There's a but so is Nick Saban. Right? Like it, Man, it, dude, like some of these names out of Alabama wide receiver are crazy. But look at Oklahoma. It's not like Oklahoma doesn't put any quality out. Oh the problem is these guys don't put out quarterbacks. So comparing Oklahoma wide receivers or like you look at you look at the defenders that come out of like Oklahoma, like I mean it is it is vastly different quality to the defender that comes out of Alabama. 
Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I just, dude, I'm telling you now, I am telling you now that when you look at Oklahoma, the guys like Sterling Shepard or it's another older one, Kenny Sills, Marquise um, Brown, DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray's absolutely a guy that you got to think of. Um, I'm trying to think of, oh, geez, Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Yeah. Right? Like you, you look at Gerald McCoy, Oklahoma. You look at Lane Johnson. Fill it up. Like I'm trying to think of like the Trent Williams. Yeah. Like Oklahoma puts dudes in the NFL. They're yeah. just not quarterbacks. Yeah, that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like They're just not quarterbacks. I don't know. I know. We got to be even keel on Oklahoma and Alabama. But it's close, man. It's close. You look at you look at the way that that you look at the way that guys in the NFL operate. And man, I'm just telling you that the the names in the NFL that how many how many Bama guys are in the NFL? Dude? Yeah. Like who a like lot. Calvin Ridley or you know, a Sean Robinson's another one that nobody ever talks about or like I, I mean we could we could literally go on and on about how many dudes from Alabama are in the NFL. Look, my 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 main point on why I like Alabama more than Oklahoma is because I I like the maturity that comes out of guys from Alabama. They feel like professionals, they operate properly. Like I don't I don't really hear about like I don't hear about the Jalen Carter situation at Alabama. I don't hear about Baker Mayfield running from the cops, right? Like I don't hear yeah. about I don't hear about this stuff. And again, I know Lincoln puts a ton of guys in the league and he's a hell of a head coach. He is, right? Great year at USC. Totally get it. But when we're talking about mental fortitude, mental ability, mental like managing expectations, meeting me doing yes. your job, like those are all things that quarterbacks have to worry about. I, I can tell, dude, get Jalen Carter on the team, go get the quarterback. That's it. You don't have Man, some difficult I, job. I'm looking at the draft picks for for Alabama. Fuck. <laughs> 2021, Jalen Waddell, Patrick Sertan, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Alex Leatherwood, Najee Harris, Landon Dickerson. Like, like what are we shit. talking about, dude? They're like, starting Trayvon 11. Diggs, Josh Jacobs, Quinnen Williams. Dude, the all 22 for this team is all Minka in the Fitzpatrick, NFL, like, Eddie Jackson. Like, I mean, the, the, the guys from Alabama, it's stupid. It's, it's stupid. So but I said, like, I, it's no shade against Oklahoma. I just... It, I, I just don't feel like there's a great comparison when we're talking about, you know, culture and resumes yeah. and SEC versus what was the Big 12. And it, I just, Man. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm how happy those, to be called a homer. How did those two schools put out so many wide receivers? Good God, dude. I mean. Because in order to win national championships, you have to have wide receiver talent that can beat you over the top, that can go deep and burn the defense. God, you oh. have to have it. Uh, and and obviously a guy CD Lamb's real is CD Lamb a star? Yeah, he is. I think he just drops way too. Holy cow! Cody Bellinger just hit one to Cleveland. Woo! Let's go. Cubs are up big, three nothing. Um, I'm telling you that CD Lamb should catch more. I agree. He should be better. But I, again, he like, should be better. Like again, that that's a conversation. But uh, but you know you know what he is, and anyone would want him on on your team. You know the yeah. Amari Coopers of the world, the Julio Joneses of the world. Like you got all these guys. Uh, but again, it just comes down to quarterbacks, and that's why I say like I 
I don't know. Like, again, I'm happy to be a homer on Nick Saban, but I'm taking Nick Saban's quarterback over uh, over Kirby Smart, certainly, over uh, Ryan Day, certainly, and yeah. over over Lincoln. And Lincoln is the closest to Nick Saban. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Fair says, CeeDee Lamb is a top-five wideout, but he plays bigger than he looks. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Elaine, absolutely. LSU has put out some guys. 100%. I mean, no you, you look it. at uh, at uh, Jamar Chase. I mean, yeah. dude, like, I, you know, LSU puts out big-time wide receiver talent. I absolutely. Just, I, I, look, I, I think the biggest thing, we have to differentiate quarterbacks and wide receivers. We're not having a conversation about who puts out the most talent. That's not what we're talking about. No, I, I think when you look at this draft, I just think it's... It's, it's loaded. Yeah, it's loaded. Yeah. Um, as is the lineup... Uh, with our good friends at, come on, where's the graphic? Bucked up energy, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I have way too many. I have a list of banners and graphics. Uh, Bucked up the official energy drink of the Monty Show. Knocking down a Miami today that I'm almost done with. Let me finish it off because I'm the only yeah. one on the show. Yeah, go ahead that and can chug, chug that. Go ahead and chug it uh, and stuff. A little more. Go ahead, knock it down, bro. Knock it down. Love it. I so love Bucked Up Miami. It is the best flavor of any energy drink. Now, the black can has 300 milligrams of caffeine. If you're Mrs. Monty, that means you get the white can because it's got 100. They have a product for everybody, and I'm telling you right now, don't take our word for it. Get the free sampler right now at uh, the link in the description below. Uh, And... You get to pick any three samples you want, right? You just click the link in the description below. It'll say free bucked up samples. Thanks. You go in there, you pick them out. I would tell you, get the pre-workout, the BCAs, and the hydration. Uh, so, oh, my God. Sunday morning, 3.30 a.m. I am passed out like a homie in the bed. Right. I got an absolute horrendous, horrendous calf cramp. Ouch. To the point where I limped around a good part of the day yesterday. Yeah. Because my, my calves are not necessarily, you know, a muscle group as they are a zip code. Um, I have some really What's prolific. Yeah, man. I have some really prolific calves. Uh, but it's because I didn't get my hydration in, right? I went snowboarding Saturday, didn't drink enough of my, my electrolytes and my BCAs. And um, it tells you when I do that, when I use my bucked up, that never happens. Yeah. Went home, drank my bucked up on Sunday morning. Everything was good to go after my lift. Didn't have a single problem sleeping last night. That's the difference. Bucked up supplements are difference makers in your life. Whether it is the zero sugar energy drink, whether it is the pre-workout. I love their pre-workout because it's nice and level. Buckedup.com. You want to get product, use the promo code Monty to get 20% off at checkout. But I would tell you first, go and get the free samples. They give you a free shaker cup right here. You guys see this on the show every day. Um, I drink out of this thing every single day. I love it. Um, because it's, it just is durable. I dropped it under Hankster, the Jeep the other day, you know, no problem. No problem at all. I'm just telling you it is amazing. It is a miracle. Yeah. Buckedup.com. Get 20% off, uh, your purchase or check out their free samples. And without further ado, 10 to the hour, every hour on the Monty show, it is football at 50. Hey, hey, there he is. Let's talk about uh, Football 50. 
We got to talk about this Jalen Carter story. And by the way, we will get to the NBA in eight minutes right here on the Monty program. Let me ask you about this Jalen Carter thing. Jalen Carter's represented by a, the one and only Drew Rosenhaus. Right. He will only visit with the teams that have a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Do you like this? Now, you know the story on Jalen Carter. All-world defensive tackle. Everybody unanimously has this cat as the best football player in this upcoming draft. But now everybody knows that he pled no contest to street racing and other charges related to the death of two Georgia football people, a staffer and a player that he was allegedly on the scene for after they won the championship. He was not totally honest with cops, allegedly. And now he's pled no contest. He got a phone call at the NFL Combine. He had to go back to Athens to turn himself in. Would you draft this guy if you had a top 10 pick? No, I would not draft this guy. And I think, you know, it shows quite the arrogance to be like, oh, yeah, I'm only going to meet with top 10 picks. And it, and it tells you this is what happens when you have an agent, Lamar Jackson, right, to handle things for you. And Drew Rosenhaus is a stud. Uh, he is a savage. He is a very aggressive agent, and he will get his client what he needs to get his client. And I think, you know, look, I get it. Jalen made a bad decision, and, you know, I'm sure he regrets his decision a lot because, frankly, it's been a huge pain in the ass for him. It's going to cost him money. Um, but ultimately, somebody is going to draft this kid, and and I... I don't know what else you say about it. I wouldn't personally draft him. I guess it really depends on cap and situation and everything. But just on merits alone, I wouldn't love having this guy be part of my organization. I think he goes either number eight to the Falcons or number six to the Lions. And it, it, I would not draft him either. At least not. I wouldn't spend a first-round pick on him. I think he's going to go six to the Lions or, or eight to the Falcons. Yeah. And I'm curious, what will this guy be made of? Because I think it's real make or break when you have an incident, the way that Jalen Carter had an incident at Georgia. Georgia. I think it reveals your character. Yeah. I think it absolutely reveals your character. Hey, just curious if you like to take the bananas off uh, or take the peel off your banana before you eat it. Because Will so Levis, weird. true story, Will Levis out of Kentucky, Kentucky, Rensel Tucky, uh, does not take the peel off the banana before he eats it. Doesn't seem to bother the Raiders. Will Levis is going to visit with the Raiders, Jake. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think this is one of those things where you can't judge the guy for his like his banana habits. Like, oh, sure, I can. Like, I well, you can judge him. That doesn't mean I have to judge him. I think it's weird, but that doesn't mean he sucks as a quarterback, you know. And I think the guy's got a big arm, and they need to find a way to replace Derek Carr, uh, you know. And I, I, if they like him, they like him. I, I don't have any issue with it. Yeah, I think that Will Levis is a mid-first round guy. I don't think he's a top ten guy. Um, that's just my opinion. I, I look at the other quarterbacks in this, the top of this draft. The question is, will Levis or Anthony Richardson out of Florida? I think everybody's going to take Anthony Richardson because he can hit the ceiling, do a backflip, and he takes the peel off the banana, right? Like, Will Levis is an odd dude, and I think NFL teams are a little resistant to draft quarterbacks that are odd dude. You want to yeah. be a tight end and be a dumbass? Go ahead. You want to be a kicker and be a weirdo? That's a prerequisite. Want to be a quarterback? I need you to be a normal guy who can lead my group and be a franchise level, you know, dude, leader, person, locker room, the whole nine. Will Levis doesn't strike me as that guy that's a normal franchise level quarterback, in my opinion. I would not draft him. I think I would probably 
Now, I'm also not saying to take Anthony Richardson in the top five. Uh-huh. I think, listen, I understand the Texans. I understand Carolina. Absolutely, you're going to do that, right? But if you are, let's say, the Colts, you're drafting a quarterback, right? You're dra- You're at, what are they, number four. Yeah. All right, if you're the the Indianapolis Colts, you can't tell me you honestly believe that Anthony Richardson can walk in and be a day oneer. Because no. if you're drafting a quarterback at four, doesn't he have to come in and play right now? Yeah, he does. Because what's the alternative? Are you gonna are you gonna another Matt Ryan situation? But this is my point about 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 these guys coming out of the draft. Like the Colts need a quarterback, so they would run him out there day one. And and, and my point is, Anthony Richardson is a guy who doesn't know how to read a defense. Why was he so successful in college? Because all he did was wait for the pressure to flush him out of the pocket and then make plays uh, off schedule. And the NFL is very much a league where you're only off schedule if the secondary does a good enough job and locks everyone up. And then it comes down to, hey, what can you do on the run? Or can you get those two yards with your feet? Or you, you know what I mean? So like the, the impromptu play is not yeah. necessarily a constant in the league. You see it a lot. But the, the first instinct needs to be to go through your progression. And I don't think Richardson did that a lot. No, I agree. Uh, Mike M. wants to know if the peel is digestible. I'm sure it is. Well, he eats it, so I'm going to guess it is. You know. Uh, Big Jack 512 says, I identify as a banana. Love me. Okay. Tanner says, I, you, Mont, you're putting too much stock in this banana stuff. Dude, he is a strange dude. Well, it's not just the banana stuff. Dude. He is I mean, a it's, strange guy. It's the milk guy. thing. It's... You know, there's some weird stuff. Like I'm not... being terrified of milk. Yeah, that's weird, dude. That's weird. The fu- like, what? Uh, Monty Fan in Rexburg says, to be fair, a straight man, there's no right way to eat a banana. Okay, let's move on. No comment. Uh, Boyd Lake says, Levis. Uh, Big Jack 512 says, Elaine, I'm a Houston guy and can't stand the Texans. Okay. Big Jack also says, I lost my virginity to a banana peel. Stay hard. Well, I mean, we all have ways that we do things, you know. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, what is going on in the comment section today? Y'all wilding. Y'all out here wilding. Geoff, who is in angel heaven right now because uh, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani uh, went back to back yesterday. Yeah. Geoff says, I love milk. This guy must be terrible. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. If you're terrified of milk, there's something wrong with you. It's just weird, dude. It is weird. That would be like ordering from Papa Murphy's and not getting a double bacon cheddar. Fresh out of Papa Murphy's kitchen, it's the limited time double bacon cheddar pizza. Uh, actually, it's fresh out of my oven. Dad, it's just an expression. (sighs) Mozzarella, crispy bacon, and Canadian bacon with nacho cheddar cheese sauce. Now that is an expression. At Papa Murphy's, we make great pizza, so you can make the pizza great. In my oven. Order now at PapaMurphy's.com. Papa Murphy's Pizza, make sure you use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase at $25 or more at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Hey, by the way, the Monty Show uh, would like to thank Bill G, who gave out 10 Ten, count them, 10 gifted memberships today. Let's how, go. How about that? How about that? Um, you get uh, five gifted memberships from Raptor 88. Let's go. I miss these. I apologize. 
I apologize. But good to see all you guys. Listen, if you're not a member of the show, um, make sure that you guys hook it up. Um, at a minimum, um, you know, at a minimum, I got to stop. I got to stop reading the comment section. At a minimum, it's a dollar ninety nine. But I'm telling you, the nine ninety nine membership gets you into our exclusive membership only group on Instagram. You get all of our breaking news today. You would have had the news on the um, our conversation with a high ranking official at Utah. Uh, you would have had all of our news on ESPN and the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and all of that stuff. You would have had all of our breaking news and inside information first because you were a member of our Instagram group. $9.99 a month gets it done. You choose. We're happy to have you. We appreciate everybody who supports this show. Um, Mike M says, go to France. Milk isn't refrigerated at the store and comes in the same looking jug we use for bleach. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, I, what I'm are we gonna, even supposed to say to that, bro? Like, uh, I'm a. You know, uh, Boyd, <laughs> Lake, Boyd Lake says maybe he's lactose intolerant. Yeah, clearly. Oh. Mm. McKinley Cutler, the Cookie King of Utah, says eating the banana peel is serial killer stuff. Yeah, dude. Boom. Yeah, dude. Thank you. Yeah. Pause, That's bro. Pause. Dude, he's murdering people. Big Jack five twelve says, "Add a boy, Monty." Hey, Monty. Okay. Uh, Big Jack also says, fresh out of my oven. That's what she said. Hey, now. Anita Dick and me. Hey, now. <laughs> Somebody said. Uh, Hugh Janus. You cannot make this stuff up. Ron Nolan. Is it true that an unpeeled banana can't get you pregnant? Well, see. Holden Middick. Uh, the, a new segment on the show. Hiscock. No context comments from Ron Nolan. I need a dick. Is it true that an unpeeled banana can't get you pregnant? Thanks, Ways Monty. in opposition. All right, Monty, I'm out. <laughs> wow. Bro. <laughs> wow. Um, the Great Dane. Wow, this is the comment you're going to come into the show on. This is the comment you're coming into the show on. My mom grew up smoking banana peels. <laughs> what are we supposed to do with that, bro? No, I won't. See what happened. Where, uh, Gary says, uh, peel the tip and put it in your mouth. <laughs> what now? Let me tell you what now. Dude, y'all are wild in today. Stop it. Grow up. That was amazing, by the way. Uh, Truck Stop Gumby says, I haven't gotten pregnant yet. Holden Middick. <laughs> Why does this happen in the third hour of the show every Hiscock. day? Every day. Wow, say, listen, Hiscock. if you don't peel the banana, the seed can't get all over the place. Hugh Janus. You know. <laughs> oh, my God. There's plenty of toast for all the butter. I wonder why more girls don't want the sh don't watch the show. I need a dick and me. They should. It's education. This is my. All right, Claire. Hey, everybody, Monty. if everybody could take a seat, it's time for Uncle Monty's sex education class. Jackass. Like, what are we doing? How did that even happen? I don't man? know, bro. I <laughs> Monty fan in Rexburg. I need a dick and me. I need a dick and me. Can I just, in all seriousness, before we get to Victor Wambanyama being a bust. I need a dick. Those are all real life. Hey, read the name on this paper, Holden sir. Holden Middick. 
Hugh Janus. Three of those are from a city council, two state legislatures, and one TV news program. Hiscock waves I, in opposition. I'm see how does how do, I need a dick. How does that happen? How, like should Hugh you Janus. should you not be kicked off the city council if you're gonna read this? Waves in opposition. Anita Dick is an opponent. Waves in opposition. Holden Hiscock is also an opponent. And he's like Waves in opposition. Holden Hiscock. Where is he? Hey, Holden, you out there? Hey, buddy. Hiscock. That'd be like you're on the radio. You're like, all right, Saturday, Super 70 Saturday here on WKQYXZ. Uh, got a request from uh, Hugh Janus. Uh, Hugh Janus. <laughs> Anita Dick waves in opposition. All right. Have a request here from Craven Moorhead. Uh, he wants Anita Dick and Ming. Stacy's mom. You got it. Stacy's mom on a hot Saturday night. KQX. Hiscock. Like, what? Bro. It, not once, but like seven times, dumbass. Waves in opposition. How many times are you going to read the Hugh Janus? Hugh Janus. That's on TV, and the guy's Hugh like, Janus. All right, happy birthday to Kevin Smiley, uh, Karen Smith, and Hugh Janus. <laughs> and then they're all like, hey, that's one of those names. They got you. And he's like, oh, yeah, they got me. Anita Dick and Ming. <laughs> How? How, man? I just don't understand. I don't know either, bro. All right. Uh, Monty fan in Rexburg, Connie Ling Lingus, was saying something like that. Exactly. Exactly. Where's the Connie Lingus one? Did you get that one? I did not get that one, no. Yeah, we read that too. You know, uh, Kurt Myers wants to get serious. He says, Jaron Hall is moving up draft boards. Taysom Hill, one tough utility who should be a starting stop. See, you lose me when you say Taysom Hill should be a starting quarterback. No, Kurt, no, <laughs> no, Taysom Hill is a really good tight end and a really good running back, H-back type guy. Let him run down on special teams and blow dudes up, which is an honor code violation, but that's not the point. He should not be a starting quarterback. Zachy Poo may be decent someday. BYU is a quarterback factory. No, it's not. Tanner Mangum? Tanner Mangum, BYU is a quarterback. See, Kurt, look, I, su I support BYU, but you can't point me to the guy who's been like a stud, right? Like we're not talking about Steve, you know, Steve Young or Hugh Janus. But I mean, do we have to go back to like John Beck or do we have to go back to like Ty Detmer or like, I, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, but there is, that drives me crazy. Steve Young, in my opinion, obviously the guy. Even Jim McMahon, I'm a Bears fan. He won a Super Bowl. He was an average quarterback, right? It's not like, I'm trying to think. Ty Detmer, I think, had less than 30 starts in the NFL, if memory serves. Max Hall, in recent times. He's no Robbie Bosco, but he'll do. <laughs> Right? Like that, it drives me crazy that we tend to have these, oh, BYU's a quarterback factory. I mean, does anybody remember 
Steve Sarkeesian? Come on now. And, and yeah, Jim Choi, Mark Wilson was a Raider. Phenomenal. B- BYU is not a quarterback factory. Waves in opposition. BYU is not a quarterback. I mean, it, who are their best? Right now, aren't you a running back factory? Tyler Algier, you know. I, I Like, you're not Williams or, I mean, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. But Danny Sorensen or Kyle Vinoy or like, you're not a wide receiver factory. You're not a quarterback factory. You're probably right now turning into an offensive line factory. Let's not say they're a quarterback factory. Come on. Greg Hawkins, how the heck are you? Jamal Williams, thank you. I could not get Fred the name. Warner. Fred Warner, linebacker, absolutely. The Warners, absolutely. But let's not uh, – let's relax and – Quarterback factory. Do you remember fucking so Riley Nelson? Right Riley Nelson was amazing. I mean, you don't you don't besmirch his name in the sacrament. And don't forget Jake Heaps. In God's name, image, and likeness. Look what Jake Heaps did for the Broncos last we year. We built this program on NIL. Fucking asshole, you apologize. <laughs> Probably too much. Come on. Come on, dude. Come on. <laughs> Stop. Anyway, Kurt, I'm sorry. That led me in a... I think Jaron's got a chance, you know. A chance. A chance. Uh, Jacob DeLambo says, BYU a sales team factory. They are. Tanner Plummer says, Calvin, Calvinoy? Did you guys see Calvinoy on Pat, Pat McAfee's show talking about soaking and earthquaking? <laughs> you know. Monty Fan in Rexburg says, we all try to forget Jake Heaps. So yeah, did the other well, 11 schools he transferred to. Yeah, seriously. Right? I mean, come seriously. on. But right now, I would put BYU linebackers, BYU running backs, again, running backs. You know, I mean, you've got, obviously, you've got Super Bowl rings. And, you know, I mean, that does that's not to say that Zach wasn't a great quarterback in college or obviously the Tiesman or, you know, but let's be honest about it. Taysom Hill was an average college quarterback because he was hurt all the time. Yeah. You, I mean, it's not his fault you scheduled Utah State every year. Um, <laughs> it's not yeah, his it's fault. Yeah, it's not uh, his fault that you scheduled the leg breakers every year. You know, he got his ankle caught in a wagon wheel. Yeah, man. I mean, what's the problem? You know, Tanner Plummer, I remember when Riley – see, I told you, Riley Nelson uh, played for BYU. Bronco would crucify anyone who would criticize Nelson. It was really cringy. Well, now, you know, don't forget that – Hans Olsen is now the uh, color analyst on the BYU Cougar Radio Network. Yeah. We're going to get no objectivity, none whatsoever. Uh, Tanner says, Ty Detmer and Jimmy Mack were Eagles. Ken Williams says, hey, all. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. How's my favorite rancher today? Jacob DeLambo, Steve Young is my goat in my fantasy. Yeah. I mean, I I don't fantasize about goats. I mean, DeLambo, I don't judge you. Hiscock. Yeah, I don't judge you. Hiscock. I mean, you want to fantasize about unpeeled bananas from your goat? That's up to you, dude. I need a dick. You know. You know. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Uh, Viper0696. Taysom Hill played quarterback. I thought he was just a running back. Exactly. I mean, look, he's no Jameis Winston, but he'll do. Yeah, he's no uh, crab legs. He pays for his crabs, okay? okay. You know, but he'll do. Bronco stoke the fires of the rivalry like no one else. And 
the Austin American Statesman was proud to do it. Yeah. Uh, BYU is a butter and toast factory. Plenty of toast for all the butter sets. See what he did there. See what he did See there. The, you know. The earthquake thing is fascinating to me. Before, And I swear, if James Knight is here, I'm, NBA is coming. The fact that Kyle Vinoy was on Pat McAfee's show acknowledging earthquaking, <laughs> as, earthquaking. as a important part of soaking <laughs> dude is unbelievable <laughs> what are you even supposed to say to that dude you know i don't know jake any big dates coming yeah do you have any dates on the horizon uh yeah i've been talking to some folks i mean so wait yeah. are you are you still dating others now that you're in love or i never said i was in love didn't say that okay didn't say that Keisha. I'm unfamiliar with it. I didn't say I was in love. Are you in like? Yeah, I like her. Yeah, I mean, I'll see her again for sure. Not your fault. She went out of town with some other yeah, guy. I mean, I mean, you know, like, what do you want? I need a dick. Right? Yeah, she I went mean, out of town with other guys. She didn't. She went to fix her family's boat. Right, but there are guys there. Yeah, her family. Right, but uh, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. Um. <laughs> Bro, come on. Come on. Walked right down the path on there. Dude, come it was on. her family. Be better. Well, hey, we don't judge people for it's what dark. they do at home. Be better. Dad works out. It's not her fault. Anyway, I'll stop. Uh, every cougar in Utah is, is a soaking cougar. Dude, what does that even mean? F- Greg, Greg Hawkins, BYU is a weird freaking place. <laughs> Dude, that you have soaking and earthquaking. Hey, listen, you know, it just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And then the bed started shaking. What's up, motherfuckers? Better construction would have prevented this, sir. Please forgive me. I'm going to do that. <laughs> you know. Anyway, uh, God is a Trex. Can't see you if you don't move. Okay. Okay. Jake is in situationship. Are you guys? (laughs) Are you guys in situationship? I don't know what a situationship is, so. Okay. Help me, you know, you got to help me there. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't partake in situationships. It's fine. I don't, but I don't know what that means. What does that mean, dude? Look, dude, when two people like each other, certain things are naturally going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Anita Dick and Ming. You know, and, and and she was saying that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know. Um. All right, so we are still two hours away from tip-off on dude, the national championship off, game. Like, what are we doing, bro? What Can we, Not before watching we even a basketball get into this game, game like, why is it so late? Like, it's in Texas, is it not? Yeah, it's in Houston. In Houston, Texas. Like, it, they're going to tip off at 820. We were saying that. Like, nine, what is it? 920 Eastern time. What are we doing? Like, are we yeah. really that married to 720 West? Apparently. Pacific? All right, time for Monty's Big Bets. This is a segment we do every day uh, where we tell you the game that is going to make you money. Can you do something for me? So I am 2-1. and one. Jake is 0-17. <laughs> uh, Jake is actually 1-2. Because it's garbage. Um, And tonight, obviously, we are talking about the National Championship of College Basketball. Right. Now, there's a couple of ways to play this one. San Diego State is a seven-point dog mm-hmm. on 132 points. So they don't even think each team's going to score probably 65 points, is that? 
That seems like a low number to me. Mm-hmm. Now, San Diego State is tenacious on defense. I'm taking San Diego State. I would bet the money line on San Diego State. Bet 100, win 275. That's what that plus 275 means. That would probably be where I'd put my scratch. Now, if you look at UConn minus 7, 132, I would probably take San Diego State to cover and under. Hey, how uh, how favored was Alabama versus San Diego? 86 points. Yeah, minus 7. What was the number? 137 and a half. So you're telling me that these people believe so strongly in UConn that you're still going to make them a seven-point favorite and they're they're going to score five less points in the game as a as a combined, as Correct. an over-under. Correct. That to me doesn't pan. That doesn't pan for me because because ultimately what's what's gonna happen in this game? We already know who San Diego State is. We know San Diego State is this physical-ass team that's going to grind you out and do everything they can do to frustrate you and get you off your game. Yes. UConn is this well-oiled machine. Great defensive team, great offensive team. They run sets. They do everything they're supposed to do. They make their life easy. They get high-percentage look after high-percentage look. So the real question, ultimately, unfortunately, is going to come down to how is this game officiated? Because if you're going to call this game tight and you're going to blow the whistle a lot, UConn's going to win this game going away. Like, no doubt about it. And a lot of people feel like that's how they're going to call this game. I'm not so convinced of that. I think that what's good for TV ratings and what's good for uh, college basketball is a close game that comes down to the wire to win a national championship. What do we need for that to happen? We need a liberal whistle. We need... We well, need, I don't know what politics has to do we with need, it. We need them to let them play the game and... And whoever executes better wins the game. I mean, that's what you need for a solid game tonight because of the way San Diego State wants to play the game. So that's why I say this minus seven number, I'm really not that scared of it because if you're telling me that, you know, what do we say? 132 and a half is the number? I mean, that's, what, what is that? What is that? Uh, what, 66 points a team? I mean... Dude, I mean that's just that that's just not that much in college basketball. I think it's for these under because teams. these two teams are good defensively. Yeah. And I think San Diego State, I mean they they break your balls. That's what yeah. they do for 40 minutes and they're very difficult to deal with and I think that I I think UConn ultimately wins this game very closely. But I think you if you're going to bet this game, I think you have to bet UConn to cover the 7 and it's go under. That or bet the money line on on San Diego State. Bet bet two hundred. So you think UConn's winning this game by more than seven? Uh no, less than seven. I think you got to take San Diego State to cover the seven. Okay, San Diego State. To cover so the seven. Okay. I would bet UConn. If you're gonna bet a winner, bet UConn. But if you want to show some cajones, some bulls, some bulls, three team parlay, three three item parlay. I would take San Diego State for the win. Or actually, excuse me, UConn for the win. San Diego State to cover and the under. Yeah, I agree with that. I think UConn's going to win the national championship. I think it's probably going to be three or four. And I think it's going to go under the 132. That money's nice on San Diego State, though. That money line at 275. That's nice, bro. That's really I, nice. I, I just don't think they can win the game. I think UConn's the best team in the tournament. I've been saying that for two weeks. 
I think they're the best team in the tournament. But now San Diego State is just so damn battle tested. Yeah, they're not going to fold. They're not going. It's not going to be a pretty game if you're hoping for beautiful basketball. This not tonight. Yeah, that's not no. No. But I think this is going to be a hotly contested game. Yeah. Again, UConn to cover San or uh, UConn to win San Diego State to cover the under. Yeah. That's your parlay. Yep. That's your bet tonight. That's where I would be on it. But do you guys think that they're going to call this game tight? Do you I think, do. do you, you, so you think there's going to be a lot of whistles? I think based on the way that we saw the Iowa LSU game called on the ladies' side, I think they're going to call this game very tight. I mean, the fouls, that the officiating in that game was complete garbage. Yeah. It, it, it's some of the worst college basketball officiating I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing you got to remember is San Diego State's a grinder here. That's a really good defensive team. And I think we've seen their ability to make teams uncomfortable to get them out of what they like to do 100 percent. and i think you have a coach that's played in big time games i think you have a coach who's coached in big time games i love what dutch has done here i just think uconn at the end of the day in these games a lot of times the most talented team will make a play right that's why i'm taking uconn but this is gonna be a close game yeah dude it's gonna be a close game wow delambo really he says uconn by 20 at the half That'd be shocking. I just don't think that... Shocking. So, I don't think that that's a garbage take, but here's the thing that I struggle with with it, is that I don't think that UConn has faced a team that plays this way. If UConn was playing a team that was traditional... Like, if UConn was facing FAU, as an example, yeah, by 20th a half, no doubt about it, we're good to go. But but my struggle is, is that San Diego is just so physical that that they're constantly laying on top of you. They're constantly, you know, playing physical defense. Like they're they're bumping in you on all, like they're always leaning on you. And when you have when you're for when you're not given a choice but to play that way and also play the way you want to play, I just don't think getting out to a 20 point lead like that is going to happen. Now, if you want to say up by 10, okay, I could see that just because I think UConn I could see that U- too. UConn is a really good offense, but, but I could also see San Diego State up by a dime. Like I could see, yeah. I think it's a f- five, four to six point lead at the half. Does UConn does UConn take care of the ball? Because this is the other thing. Well, what did we say about the Alabama game? And and I'm telling you, this is this is San Diego State's key to success. Turning UConn over will allow San Diego State to be in the game. If UConn takes care of the ball, eight to ten turnovers the whole night, you're in a good place. But if you start turning the ball over 15, 17 times, you're asking for trouble if you're UConn. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, let's see. Let's see. Ken Williams says San Diego State by five at the half. Yeah. See, Ken, I could totally see that, man. Yeah. Uh, Ken Williams says, Monty, are you blaming the refs? No, not at all. I just think that game was so poorly played by the officials. Rock Chalk 94, San Diego State plays the whole game. UConn comes from behind. I think that's a very likely scenario. That would be a great story for tomorrow's news. Yeah. Big Jack says uh, UConn too big. Uh, Monty Fan and Rexburg says, go San Diego State. And I think one of the questions you have to ask is, what does it mean for the Mountain West if San Diego State wins a game? What does it mean for the Pac-12? Mm. Well, I mean, certainly these are all value propositions. I mean, I, I think it's one of those, that'd be very interesting. Yeah. That'd be very interesting to see if the Mountain West wins a national championship, now we're changing the game. Yeah. Now we're changing the game. So I think that's absolutely something you should keep your eye on. But oh, And I also think in that interview that's on the channel, 
with Commissioner Navarro's. Yeah. Um, you know, she talked about in that interview about how they get a lot of money from the college football playoff as well, now that it's expanded. And I think this is a really interesting concept. Like the the mid major, you know, not P five conference program getting all the way to the national championship game. That's never gonna happen in college football. Yeah. And we all know why. But but in basketball, it's obviously feasible. And and I think if you're, you know, the commissioner Navarro's of the world you're saying, okay, this needs to happen as much as possible. And I, and unfortunately, she also talks about how, hey, I was prepared when I took this job for San Diego State to go ahead and leave the conference. So, unfortunately, I think it's just a natural progression for San Diego State, but I do think it's really healthy for the college landscape that San Diego State has gotten so far. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Gary says, San Diego State will cover win, and I think we take the over. San Diego is more a sound team. Yeah, I don't see any way this goes over. Unless something crazy Does it happens. need to go over for them to win? It does. Yeah. It does. Because it needs to be a wild game. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Callahan says UConn isn't a P5. Well, I mean, you can say that on the whole, but I'm telling you that, that that's a P5 program. Yeah. That's a P5 program. That I mean, the, a program that has the history that UConn men's and women's basketball have is not a mid-major. No. San Diego State's truly a mid-major. Roka, uh, hello. Oh we are, are in delay. Oh San boy. Diego State wins tonight and joins the Pack, aka the New Mountain West tomorrow. Could be, <laughs> could be. Um, all right, there you go. So again, Monty's big bets. The bet tonight is UConn to win, San Diego State to cover under. Yeah, that's what recreationally I would advise For you once to we do. Agree. Call some folks. We, do your thing. Call your guy. Uh, you know, send your emails. Whatever yeah, you need to do. Your friends. Because uh, place you know. your quote unquote positions. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Hey, don't forget Canyons Golf is the official golf course of the Monty Show. Love our guys up at Canyons uh, in Park City. You would never know they have a golf course because there's like 96 feet of snow. But underneath that 100 <laughs> feet of snow, <laughs> bro. Underneath all that snow are some pristine fairways and greens. Their greens, you know, are just remarkable. And if you're somebody that is looking for ways to market your business, if you're somebody um, that is looking for ways to reach the affluent nature of the golfer, um, absolutely call Darren at Canyons Golf. Talk to him about their GPS programs because every one of their carts has GPS on board. Yes. Uh, they have great corporate sponsorship opportunities there. Do you need an event or a venue? Uh, to take your, your sales team for a morale-boosting day, Canyons Golf has every solution that you could possibly need. And listen, if you and your dad are just looking for a place to go hit them on Sunday morning, Saturday afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, go get it. Canyons Golf, the official golf course of the Monty Show. Before you know it, you're going to blink. It's going to be time to tee them up up in Park City. Let's go. Love them. And the thing about Canyons Golf you're going to love is, A, Darren's a, a wonderful pro. You need lessons, you need advice, you need tweaking, you need to learn how to play the game. Darren Ingram at Canyons Golf is a wonderful te teaching professional. We had him out here at our Big 5-0 birthday bash and just having him talk with people. And I mean, they're just super, super service-oriented up at Canyons Golf. So yes. hook it up. Canyons Golf, make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Victor Wombin, your mama. God, this conversation, dude. So we got a new highlight over the weekend of Victor Wombin, your mama. <laughs> I should stop. 
a Victor Wambanyama, the, um, I don't know what, presupposed number one pick in the upcoming NBA The French draft. sensation that's going to take over the NBA. So he's playing against a kindergarten team. <coughs> he hits a step back three that comes up short. The level of competition is such that he was able to run to the front of the rim and get a tip slam. Is this the dagger? On his own missed three. And people are like, oh God, here it is. Evidence, Michael Jordan ain't got nothing on this guy. Of course, the only problem is, is that he's playing against nobody. Yeah. Is Victor Wambanyama more likely to be an all-star or a bust? Jacob Montemayor, what say you, yeah, sir? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is pretty straightforward for me. I, the, the kid is wonderfully talented. My problem has always been he's a physical liability. I know that he can shoot the three. I know that he can shoot the midi. I know that he's got a nice little finishing package around the rim. I know that. The problem is, is he can't play defense, and he can't get his own shot against a grown-ass man. That's the problem. So when, when you look at, hey, his style of game versus where it is now versus what it would be like in the league, there are numerous examples of guys struggling to, to get their own bucket in the league when you weigh next to nothing and you're seven-plus feet tall. And I think my struggle is, is that everyone wants to say, oh, my God, this guy is going to be the next LeBron, and this is incredible, and his skill package is unmatched. And it's like, dude, no, it's not. Is he skilled for his size? Yes, he is. Is he is he someone that I could see having a 15, 20-year NBA career? Absolutely. Right? If he plays a certain way, yes, absolutely. Is he the next LeBron James? No, he's not. Right? LeBron James is 6'8", and coming into the league and in his prime, he was 260. You're not stopping LeBron James. I look at Giannis. Giannis is who nobody talks about with Victor Wambanyama. Right? Giannis transformed his body. Giannis came into the league as a stick. Giannis got his ass in the gym and now is somebody who can power over anybody, including Joel Embiid. So is VW willing to put in that kind of work? Is VW willing to change his body? These are the questions I have. Not whether the kid can make a jump shot. Not whether the kid can lay a basketball into or a hoop. Does he have a handle or skill? Absolutely he does. My biggest question about Victor Wambanyama is what is he going to have to learn and how is his game going to have to change for him to succeed? And the biggest thing that I would say is I think his game's going to have to change significantly for him to succeed. I don't see an avenue. And again, this is just my opinion. I don't see an avenue for him as a nine foot tall kid with 19 foot long arms and longer legs. I digress with his body. It's not that he's going to get hurt. He's going to have to significantly transform his skill set yeah. to thrive at the NBA level. His arms are super long. His legs are super long. Yes, he can dunk on two strides. Totally get it. But the issue is his opportunity to do things that he's doing in France. This tip dunk off of a miss three is never happening in the NBA. Yeah, It's never happening. The ability to dribble with your arms way out wide and swinging the ball is never happening in the NBA. And these are all great moves for, I think he's 15 years old if you believe all the hype, right? For a kid that is his age, his skill set is phenomenal. Yeah. His body is intriguing. He's a project. There's no doubt about that. You look at the freak athletes that have come into this league recently. Guys like Zion Williamson, even guys like a Chet Holmgren. Yeah. They can't hold up. And they have far more built bodies than Victor Wambanyama. 
So how is he supposed to be drafted number one overall by whoever drafts him and think he's going to step right in and play? That's my biggest question. And even when he does step in and play, that handle's going to have to get tighter. That jump shot's going to have to get quicker Mm -hmm. because he's also got these long arms. It's not easy to let that ball go quickly, right? And we see situations like that every night in the NBA. I don't think he's going to be a bust. I just think it's going to take time for him to become all world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the situations, because I'm a big believer when you're looking at draft prospects, especially in the NBA, you got to look at, okay, if I draft this guy, what situations is he going to be in on the floor? What what would, if I have this guy starting at the five for me, what is, what, what is the opposition going to try to do to him? And I can tell you right now, the opposition is going to switch. They're going to get their one or two guard on him, and he's going to blow right by him like we've seen multiple times. Oh, okay, let's say he stops that. Let's say by some some crazy miracle he's able to stop that. Well, all I have to do is get my get my Steven Adams of the world on the block, back him down, and we're good to go. I, it's not that difficult. And, I, and I, everyone wants to compare VW to Rudy Gobert. If VW develops his body into what Rudy has physically, he'll be a great player. He, I think he would be able to stay healthy at that point. But he won't be able to do what he's doing now. No, he won't. He not won't. at that building He's weight. not going to be an explosive dunk on you guy in the NBA. What he's going to be, if he wants a long career, what he will be is he will be, he should be a mid-range big that that is a finesse player on the block. He doesn't need to be that, that explosive guy. But you know what worries me about a finesse big that plays on the block? He is straight up said, I am not a center. Yeah. I am not a five. He doesn't want to play the block. He doesn't want to play the five. He wants to be, and this is what scares you. He has openly talked about wanting to be a three or four in the NBA. And it's, it, I'm telling you, it's just, that's really difficult. That's very, very difficult. And when I look at, when I look at what Victor Wambanyama is, um, and I look at, at the guys that you can compare him to, this is the other thing I asked everybody. Find me a, a comparable Find me a comparable to Victor Wambanyama. You've never seen a guy like that. Okay, there's freak factor involved in it. Find me somebody who has done what he wants to do at his size and at his ability who has come in and succeeded on any major level. Yeah. Find me that guy. Because I'm I'm just telling you, it's it's not it's not sustainable. I, I don't think it's doable. Yeah. I really don't. I, I, I really, really don't. And I, I don't know how you fix it, frankly, because I think when you're, when you're Victor Wambanyama, there's a lot of people looking to take you apart. There truly is. As we talk NBA on the Monty Show, presented by our friends at Canyons Golf, I just don't... When I look at Victor Wambanyama, obviously that guy exists in the league one time, and it's Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, it's not Kevin Durant because Victor Wambanyama is bigger than Kevin Durant and longer than Kevin Durant. 6'10 is very different than... What is he, 7'4 seven, four seven, now? 7'4, four. yeah. I just don't... I, I need to see it translate. He's not playing against like-for-like talent. So when you're bigger, stronger, faster than everybody you're playing against, naturally you're going to have success. But what happens when you flip the coin and you're slower and weaker and less skilled than everybody you're playing against? Yeah. Now we find out who you are as a player. So, yep. Travis Bird, who is a known, known Victor Wambanyama love child. Yeah. Says he will be the number one pick. Okay. I think we all agree. 
And whatever team he goes to is only making the playoffs next year. They're going to have home court advantage. And he's going to be a dynasty in the next five years. If there's alien life outside of all of you, I've already universe built and accomplice. Just as you don't know if they're going to come and find us. Because, look, man, you got to stop smoking acid before the show, bro. Like, what? He just straight up unicorn. You guys are unicorn haters. He's not um, a unicorn, though. He's not. He's not a unicorn. He, he's nothing right now. He is an amateur athlete. Can he go and do... Let me ask you this. Can he go... In and, this country. Now, and when I say I want to clarify that. He's an amateur athlete. He plays at that level in this country. Would he be amazing in the G League? Yeah, I guess he probably would. But how many G League superstars have gone in the NBA and just torn it up? I don't think any. Um, I don't um, think any. Could VW do what Luca did in Europe? Could he do, if he's so good, if he is this generational unicorn that we're all missing on, could he go and win multiple championships in Europe? Could he come into the league and be 35 and 15 every night right out of the gate like Luca was? Like, yeah, And I I'm don't... not even a Luca guy. But if we're going to talk about Euro players and we're just going to take it at face value, right? Well, if he's this good, if he's up here, if he's number one overall, this was the Zion-John Morant debate mm -hmm. three years ago or whatever it's been now. Yep. Everyone knew that Zion was going to be a problem physically y'all we knew that we knew hey his ligaments and his joints are not going to hold up because he is just so big he is overweight so everyone was like all right john morant and what do you know so the version of that this time around is going to be scoot and you know vw and i want to say if and correct me if i'm wrong didn't vw say he's staying another year with metropolitan no no, 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 no. VW is going to the draft. He is there's, going to the draft. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Where do you come up with this stuff, man? Victor Wamanyama is going to the draft. And the the thing, you know what worries me about Victor Wamanyama? I think he becomes a spot-up shooter. I truly think that is, that in the first five years, that's going to be his usage. Mm -hmm. Is that he will be a wing corner spot-up shooter. Because I just don't see even how on your average wing, like if you look at the best teams in the NBA, okay, throw them out. How does he do against Julius Randle? How does he do against your average power forward? How does Not he? Great. How does he do against? How does he guard Carl Anthony Towns, who's playing the four now? How does he guard LeBron James? Because those dudes are just going to take his ass down to the block. Yeah, that's so. The question is. When does the light go off? Because he, we've seen the videos. There's three, four videos of him getting crushed on the block. You know, by white dad bod gods in in France, <laughs> who don't wear deodorant. So my question is, how do you develop a defensive game that you're not asked to play right now? Because he is not asked to play defense right now. And the question is, I don't know. Because he doesn't have the advantage that Scoot Henderson has. Mm -hmm. Scoot Henderson can just run by dudes. He is he he is just lightning quick. Yeah. Victor Wambanyama is seven foot four. He is a long strider. 
He is not a, in his advantage is if he's on the perimeter, he can two step pass you to the basket. Right. But he's going to, I just, he, I just need to see him do it. He is a, he is a freak. He is, his skill set is amazing. You know, Jeremy Callahan, isn't Katie actually over seven foot? No, he's not. He's 6'10. He has a 7'5 wingspan, though. So, you know. Uh, white Dad Bog Gods. LOL. Good one, Mont. Thank you. I appreciate the recognition. Thank you. Uh, how is he going to guard Taco Fall by eating a lot of Taco Bell? Maybe. Don't play intramurals, brother. Maybe. I, I don't know. I think he is. Well, DeLambo, that's an interesting question. But he scored on Rudy 1v1, LOL. Maybe he did. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, man. It'll be interesting to see how how that all works out. By I'll the way. I'll leave it when I see it. By the way, what do you think of Walker Kessler being out for the year? I think it's fine. I, I think he, had a, he got a concussion. So, okay. He's in concussion protocol. You know, the Jazz have said he won't play again this year. Yeah, shut him down for the last however many games it is. Week. But then I think there's this conversation on Walker Kessler about summer league or no summer league. I think that that he's earned the right to not be a summer league guy, but I think if he was smart, he would do summer league. I think summer league is a proving ground to work on jumpers and, you know, to work on the things that you want to work on in your game. And, hey, if he if he knows summer league but wants to go to the black ops runs or go to these different runs, great. Do that. I don't think I'd play him in summer league games. I think I would have him at summer league for practices and workouts. And I think I would, I would absolutely mandate that he does the grind, the summer grind. Cause his, his, he has got to develop a, a, a jump shot. Yeah. He has got to develop it because it, at some point in this league, you become, you hit your ceiling. If you can't develop a jump shot, see Rudy Gobert. Yes. You hit your ceiling. And we know that the guys that can defend the Andre Drummond's of the world, the, Rudy Gobert's of the world, but if you can't offensively impact the game other than dunking, you're always going to be limited. You're always going to be limited. Yeah. So that'll yeah. be interesting to me. Yeah, but I don't think it's the end of the world or anything. I think a lot of people freaked out when they saw that. It's like, dude, they got, like you said, a week left. A week? I mean, it's not. And the guys had a hell of a year. Do they, they? So you're convinced now they won't make the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, they're four and a half out. I, I, I think it's probably done at this point. Okay, I need you to work on your math. They're not four and a half out. They're a game and a half out. Okay, I got that confused. And that's my What's bad. What's wrong with you? Well, let's see. Uh, Victor Wambanyama is not coming to the draft. The Mavs are in the East. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, the Jazz are a game and a half out. But the issue is really Dallas or Oklahoma. OKC. As I look at OKC's schedule, they've lost three out of four. And oh, by the way, Golden State and Utah on the road, and they finish at home against Memphis. And now without walk, I got to think they're going to beat the Jazz. I have to think they're going to beat the Jazz. But Golden State, by the way, I think Golden State is fighting for their, their six-spot lives. And it's not like Golden State uh, exactly has an easy schedule. They got to host Oklahoma City and then at Sacramento and at Portland to end the year. They should beat Portland. Yeah. But I think there's a good chance that Golden State's in the play-in. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the West is super tight. I, I think the, the thing that needs to be said is the Lakers are just on fire right now. You know, so you look at, you know, teams like Golden State, the, even the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers are not safe. 
Please yeah, do. Carry you, on. You Keep wanna, going. You want to tell everyone, oh, I told you so. I told you so. I'm tired. I, I have to admit, I'm tired of the Lakers being a playing team. I'm tired of it. I'm over it. Like, There's nothing to be proud of the Lakers making the playoffs. Like They're going to earn their way in, though. Yeah. And, and I think at it's Utah, great for the league. Yeah. At Utah, at the Clippers, Phoenix, and Utah. I, I think the Clipper game is the one. I, I think, I mean, it's assumed that you'll beat the Jazz both times. The Suns are obviously no joke, but that Clipper game I feel like is a really good test because you're a half game behind them, no no PG, like you really should be able to handle them. But the problem is, it's going to take defense. You're not playing the Bulls, you're not playing the Rockets, you're not playing these teams that don't play great defense. I mean, the Clippers play good enough defense to make your life challenging. So to me, it's like, yeah, sure. Does Golden State fall the plan? Yeah, sure, possibly. I mean, probably. It's the better word is probably based on the schedule. But if you're the Lakers, the win mentally that it would be to get out of the plan and into one of those six spots there would be awesome. And I think that's exactly what you need to go into the playoffs. You need to be hot going into the playoffs. And I think that's, for them, that's all that matters. Salty Ken Williams says they can thank the Lakers for making the playoffs. Uh, Maury Alvarez says math is hard. The T-Wolves are in the East and Jake is still a virgin. virgin. All of these things are fact. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do, do you you do you disagree with that or Yeah, I mean you can keep telling everyone I'm a virgin, but I'm not. Well, <laughs> well I don't know that. Mm-hmm. I was just guessing. Mm-hmm. Right. Now it pisses you. I can see now you're pissed off. Yeah, it's Tanner says he is not a virgin. Yeah, I I'm ready for the NBA season to be over. I'm tired of talking about the jazz tanking. I'm tired of talking about that that Victor Wambanyama is the Jesus Christ of basketball. Well, it like, is your show. We could have not talked about the no, NBA. No, I mean, I, no, we need to talk about it. But I, but like, you know, I, I, if I'm gonna be honest, like, I'm, I'm, this playoff picture is crazy, dude. Like, I, I, the Lakers need to be good again. Like, yeah. dude, I'm tired of hearing about Anthony Davis. Like, I'm at that point in the season but then where he it's drops like every, forty yesterday. But that's precisely my point, right? Like this guy is an amazing player. He's always hurt, and that's what frustrates me. It's just it's like, dude, we know, okay, Anthony Davis is the Lakers narrative. Walker Kessler in the rebuild is the Jazz narrative. The Phoenix Suns, Book's got to prove his worth at some point. That's their narrative. Like, yep. You know what I mean? Like all the, So now we're just in this place where it's like, all right, let's just finalize the standings, and let's get to winning and losing playoff games. All right, and because I'm floating, let's move to Donald Trump's mug shot. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so where are you at on Donald Trump's mugshot? Discock. <laughs> so Donald Trump is in New York, and a lot of people are theorizing that the the trending Donald, because Donald Trump's mugshot is trending on Twitter. Yeah. They're saying that this T-shirt of Donald Trump's mugshot will break the all-time T-shirt sales record. <laughs> yeah, it probably will. It's Donald Trump, right? Will you wear a T-shirt no. of Donald nope. Trump's mugshot? Nope. So, and by the way, is that a shot at Donald Trump's supporters or is that like, who's buying this t-shirt? Oh, I think all kinds of people. I think Donald Trump supporters would buy it. I think haters of Donald Trump would buy it, right? Like, I I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it it is not, it is unbiased. Everybody can spin the Donald Trump mugshot to fit their, their opinion. That's just not in question. What do you think tomorrow's going to be like when he turns himself in? 
Well, I mean, I think, I yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people there. I think that he, you know, he was given the option to do it quietly and wants to do it publicly, which is obviously... He wants a perp walk. Yeah, it obviously fits right into his... But you're not going to see him in handcuffs. There's no reason to put him in handcuffs. Well... Do you think there's going to be like riots and yeah, damage? Yeah, and I do. You I, do. I, I think I think the the MAGA contingent is going to be there, and I think that you have to pee. I do have to pee something terrible. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Jacob DeLambo says supporters love it. Supports the narrative. Well, yeah. Um, truck stop Gumby would soakers buy it? Tanner, I don't know. Yeah, it's up to you. Ah, yes, <laughs> Tanner said. Ah, yes. More tangerine Twitter machine talk. Yeah. Exactly right. Thank you, Jake. Play the yeah, music. you're welcome. You're Take welcome. Let's skate patch here. The Monty Show is presented <laughs> by The Advocates, theadvocates.com. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.